combat time. Welcome to Combat Time, where three friends talk about everything and everything Mortal Kombat. And today, I'm joined by Josh. Hello, hello. And Yassine. For the Shaolin. For the Shaolin, apparently. I should have had something <laughs> clever for mine. <laughs> and today, we are going to be talking about the comic tie-in, or the prequel, as it were, to Mortal Kombat 4. Um, typically, on these episodes, we have done Mortal Kombat comics in the past, and today we are reviewing the one comic for Mortal Kombat 4, since in our last episode, we played the game. And today, we're just going to discuss the ins and outs of this prequel comic. And how are you both doing on this nice Tuesday Eve? Is it, is it Tuesday? It's yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday it's Tuesday Eve, man. It was Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Yep, it's Tuesday. It's I'm, Tuesday I'm doing all right. I'm not tired like you've seen. Uh, you know, I've been dealing with some shit, but uh, pretty pretty neutral today. And it's raining. And just kind of, I didn't leave the house today. I, I didn't, didn't leave the house. Didn't rain a lot today. Really? It like poured. Yeah, dude. Like I, my electricity flickered. I thought my electricity was going to go out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I think I told you guys earlier. I got a leak in my damn window that I got to fix from this from this rain out of nowhere. So I got to fix that. So it's gonna be fun. You don't sell like home ownership very well. <laughs> I mean, actually, once I get it, once I actually get it fixed, I'm rewarded because I know it's fixed. It's not like you know, I'm not gonna subpar work my own house man. until something so, else like. I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing everyone says. I'm reminded of True Detective season three when uh, what's his face, the, the best bro Mahershala Ali could ever have, the fucking uh, Frost Here's from Blade. He, he's he's got his own house now. Did the time skip, and he's like, "Yep, well, it used to be if something broke, maintenance fix it now. Well, I gotta fix it." And <laughs> that's that's home ownership. I've experienced that too. Yeah, yeah. not as nearly as bad as Jay. Yeah, I kind of prefer it because I choose like I choose the company. I like it's done with my money, and I get to review their quality of work. I can guarantee that once I fix it, it won't break again. At least not on my watch. It won't. Nothing is more frustrating than waiting on your your designated maintenance guy to never show up. So yeah, or do a mm-hmm. shitty job. And I have horror stories about that too. So yeah, and I mean like I actually like the learning experience. I mean, granted, you know, I've had many a things break in this house oh, since yeah. I bought it. And for those listening, I, li- I live in a bit of an old property. It is definitely one of those fixer-upper type places, but I've enjoyed fixing it up. I mean, <laughs> I told you guys about me changing a garbage disposal all by myself and, you know, rewiring electricity and fixing lights and, uh, you know, replacing toilets and all that yeah. fun stuff. And, Actually, you know, changing, changing wood. I might have some DIY stuff I, I got to do, you know, since I punched a hole in my wall. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess I gotta maybe I'll try and fix it myself Jeez, since it's, it's my fault. Were you playing Mortal Kombat 11 and got beaten by a 12 year old? No, the dog peed on the carpet for the third time that night. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, I can't. 
I can guarantee you seeing that like 12 year old has way more time on his hands to play Mortal Kombat 11 than you do. So don't feel too bad about that. He can't now because, uh, well, this this will be uh, yesterday's news by the time this podcast comes out. Hopefully it'll be yesterday's news. But, you know, you see, and you and I haven't played in 11 in a while. And I figure when you're done editing the last episode we did, maybe you and I rekindle MK11 a little bit. Except we, we can't right now, though. Because guess what? Apparently the servers are fucking down. MK11 Wait. servers are down. On like across all platforms or across all platforms. Across all platforms. Down? I haven't I, I haven't tested it myself. I've just been seeing people complain about it. Some people have managed Josh, to get got, on. Huh. Josh, you got me itching to play Mortal Kombat 4 again. I actually had a lot of fun uh-huh. playing it over at your place that one time. Like I I, I said so in our last episode that I was actually kind of surprised at how well that game holds up, and I wasn't expecting it to. But honestly, I'd play that game again. It was so, fun. Yeah, well, um, it I'll make sure felt, to. Uh... It actually felt it, like it. It felt dated, but dated in like a good way. Like the things that were dated were definitely there, but it still was surprising. Like yeah. I, I would totally play that. Mortal game Mortal Kombat Four to kind of to a sequel from uh, you know our discussion uh, on it with Neil is I think looked back at as the start of the decline of the series. But when you do look back uh, critically, it was accepted. Uh, and it is in fact a pretty good game, you know, all, all around yeah. all, all intents and purposes. It's true. Yeah. Again, like I still look, I still look forward to playing um, the other games in the PS2 area um, era um, era that Neil was talking about with us. And, really uh getting my chance to play those because i've never played those so i'll be i'll be i'll be going into this a virgin into all of those and i look forward to it i do love playing me some new fighting games it's oh, yeah. always a fun experience playing a new fighting game for the first time i'm a big I'm, I'm big into that sort of stuff so i'm i'm very much looking forward to it when we get the chance to do that same i can't wait to play deadly alliance again just period because i had a lot of fun of it back when i first bought it i never played those well i played a little bit of armageddon i think i've said that before that's the only one I haven't played. Neil's favorite. Is 25 bucks too much for Armageddon? Mm. Are you getting an original copy and everything? Nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the book and the case and everything. If it's got the book and case and everything, then I'd say it's well worth it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would say that's worth it too. People pay $25 for a digital re-release on a next-gen system, you know, of none of that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. like... <laughs> yeah, like if you're if you're buying like the OG game, but it's like in like a plastic CD cover with like nothing, like you're just basically buying it from a cheap bargain bin for twenty five dollars. No, but if you get like the actual cover, the original disc, and you know just the just that authentic nostalgia of actually having the game itself, then yeah, I'd actually say it's worth it because that depending on the game, if you like it, I think it's um, I think it's great. Like I still have an original copy of Final Fantasy X when that. It was first released on PS2. Um, why the hell did you buy it? Why the hell did you buy the remaster then? Probably because you didn't have anything to play it on, yeah. No, dude. Like I played Final Fantasy X back when it first came on the PS2, and I've just held that copy, and I would never give that up because that's like my first experience with that game. I mean, Final, it's, Final Fantasy X is not my favorite Final Fantasy game, but it's up there. It's definitely one I've, uh, I've played the most. I've think i've logged in over 300 hours in that game from three different playthroughs i've only gotten rid of two games in my life one uh one I was just trying to downsize one was resident evil zero which we can all understand why i played it once don't need to play it again even though i'm a big resident evil fan you think i want to keep it for completionist sake and the other one i do regret is uh eternal darkness sanity's requiem uh 
I don't think I was intelligent enough at that time to uh, appreciate a Lovecraftian horror tale. And two, I was just fucking stuck on the game. So I got frustrated and I said, fuck it, I'll get rid of it. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. I think I, I do think. Oh, go ahead. Jesse. I was going to say the ones that I, I don't even remember which games I, because I, I think I get, I traded in like five or six PS2 games when we got a PS3 to get a PS3 game. And that game ended up being Virtua Fighter 5 that we ended up not really liking because it was too difficult for us to get into. <laughs> and I think one of the games that we traded in was Final Fantasy X, I think. Yeah, because who wants that? I, don't I have to look into the box to see if in my uh, storage to see if I still have that one. I don't know. And yet, I don't feel like buying like re-releases because I've been interested in playing RE4 again lately because of the the remake announcement. And like, it's like I could buy it on Switch. I could try and get the VR version, although I have a Quest One, so I'd have to kind of finagle it and sideload it on. But I'm like, ah, I just want to play it on my GameCube. I don't feel like I don't want to buy. It. But you know, you're still... not interested to see what it looks like in like. RE2, like the RE2 remake uh, engine? like Oh, the, I'm not talking about the remake. I'm talking about just the, you know, RE4 got re-released on every system imaginable oh, after yeah. the GameCube. So it's like, I'm if I sure want to play it like again, Apple I could play Yeah, it's, you could, yeah <laughs> it literally is on like iPhone or something like that. I don't know how, but it is. But it's like, I ain't going to buy that. I am going to check out the remake for sure, for sure. Whether I play it at Jay's or whether I clear some space on my uh, Windows laptop. I almost want to uh, do that, I'm but gonna, I'm I also want to play I want to replay four. I still have the PS2 version, and I also have it on Steam. But I've also never finished the game. Yeah, I so yeah, I, I still got it on GameCube, and I still got my GameCube. The only problem is I'm back and forth between two places, and I can't be dragging my retro shit all around. So that's why I was like, maybe I should just get it. Is Switch. it on nah. Switch? Yeah, it's on Switch. All uh, four, five, and six are on Switch, and they're on sale now too. Ten dollars a pop. Because I already got it on GameCube. Because I already got it on GameCube. <laughs> Yeah, but your complaint is that you you want to play, but you can't well, because you're moving around. So well, just you know, spend 10 bucks. when I'm not, well, that's why I was going to buy RE5 instead because I haven't played that one all the way through. But you're I don't. I, I'm kind of. <laughs> I'm not going to spend. I'm not going to spend money on it because I'm probably only going to end up playing the beginning and then put it down. I might as well just you know play the beginning of something I already own. You know. And you see, you know, it's even more frustrating. Just notice that every time that Josh plays an RE game, you know that he's playing with inverted controls. Uh, That's the other frustration. Not, not in RE4. <laughs> it's fucking tank controls, baby. Oh, yeah, it's, it's still old school. Yeah. And and no, I did I did play RE5 a little bit, the demo. And when it at first frustrated me, now since you kind of broke me in Fortnite where I have no choice but to play it in the quote-unquote normal way, I am able to play RE5 a little bit. So I'm breaking out of my inverted controls uh, shackles a little bit. I could be a normal person. <laughs> I'll believe it when I I'll believe it when I see it, Josh. You know, I'll believe it the day that when you and I play an RE game and all of a sudden I have to like give the controller over to you and I don't like see you for 5 minutes changing the controls before you even start the game and then knowing me when I get when I like when I take the control back from you, I forget and then I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to move forward." And then I move backward and then I die and I'm like, "Damn it, Josh." <laughs> so well, I can I understand to, like, like, why it was so frustrating to watch because I realize why the control scheme for third-person shooters is the way it is, because your scene would watch me. It's like, I have inverted x-axis, right? So left is right, right is left. But when I aim in a sniper scope in first person, or even when I'm aiming over the shoulder still, and if I'm aiming, 
I want it to be non-inverted. So Yasin is watching me run around and move the camera and then some enemies in front of me and I pull up my gun and all of a sudden I'm thrown for a loop and my cursor's moving the wrong way I want it to. He's like, you're shooting yourself in the foot figuratively here. And, like, you, yeah. and I guarantee you, you see, and I guarantee you, Yasin is shaking his head while Josh is saying this. I am too. Yasin and I are on oh, the yeah. same page. I remember this like, moment because I was like, dude, every time you're aiming to shoot at someone, you take like half a second to realize that you're not moving the right way. Right. Yep. And you're cursing. So, now I understand why shooters are like that. But that's that's consoles. If you're aiming at a mouse on a PC, no problem. And, hey, When's the last time you played a PC game? Exactly. I downloaded that Tornado <laughs> Hunter uh, Storm Chasing game. <laughs> you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we can tell of, we're stalling. Speaking of RE, since this is gonna, probably going to be an RE podcast now. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, we're, we're totally stalling because this we're totally stalling because this comic is so short. But yes, I do want to yeah. talk about the RE show. I, I, I'm glad that? to stall for another five minutes. You know I have. I've watched three episodes. How much have you watched? Uh, three okay. episodes. It's an eight-episode show. What do you think? It's dog shit. It is sucks. Is it as bad as... It, like, yeah, I was about to say, Josh, is it as bad as I've heard it is? I've heard this show like is really bad. You know like, when Doom really... Annihilation came out and people looked back at the Doom with The Rock and Carl Urban and said, wow, that's actually the good Doom movie. Yeah. <laughs> people are looking back oh. at all the Anderson movies and being like, wow, those, maybe those aren't so bad. <laughs> Man, cause, oh no! Because uh, oh, no. I've seen one so far. I've seen mostly negative, but I remember I've seen one reviewer that I follow uh, who is not a Resident Evil fan, and she said she loved it. Uh, really? She hadn't finished it yet, but she said that she like really enjoyed it, uh, and she thinks she, see that might. Remember, but she, I think she thinks it's because like one, RE fans are expecting something specific, and two, right. They're also not expecting like the teen. I guess it's a teen teen drama aspect of it. Yeah, it's like you. It literally the first episode or two. It's like Euphoria, only the Resident Evil characters. It's a little annoying. I and yeah, if you're not watch a, it just because of how bad it is, it kept me engaged enough to wanna watch the next episode, like mm-hmm. a little bit. So it's like if I have time tonight, I might watch episode four because like some cool shit did happen in episode three. Which okay, I'm just gonna spoil it for you. To warn you, okay. there's a giant spider right. in episode three. There's a giant spider. It's uh, it's because it's Resident Evil. It's not a tarantula though. It's like a black widow. So if that makes it better. I know it does for me. That doesn't make it better at all. It makes I mean, it a little better, but not. Me and you've seen specifically tarantulas are creepy the way they move. Tarantulas are scarier than any other spider. Uh, but it splits a dude in half. Too. It's worse. pretty cool. I don't know. Black, I widow, black, widow black widows worse. are more dangerous, but they're not scary. I see it and I respect it, but it doesn't give me the ookie. Have you, have you seen a lot? Have you seen a lot of Black Widows in your life? Yes, I think we saw one at Jared's. Yeah, yeah, like Black like Black Widows. Actually, you can see them in Georgia. You won't see a tarantula in Georgia. Right. Anytime I've ever seen a tarantula, I've seen one in like I've seen <laughs> them in like a zoo. And I think and I and I don't think tarantulas are all that creepy. Can we stop talking like about I, tarantulas? Like, yeah, <laughs> I think I like like dude. I could pet anyway. A so there's a giant. There's a giant spider in it, and there's a giant caterpillar in episode one. So they are putting in more monsters, which is my biggest complaint about the Anderson movies, right? Uh, and the, and uh, it's like, the one that we watched last year? Uh, Welcome to Raccoon City, which I actually yeah. kind of like. 
I, but that know, didn't I, have that I, many variation of monsters. It either. didn't. No, in fact, it probably even had less monsters. I think it just had the zombies, and it had like a liquor. That's it. It, it, the zombies of the dog, only one dog instead of a bunch of dogs, and they threw in Lisa Trevor and uh, William Birkin. Mm. So, you know, it's slightly more than the Anderson movies. But, yeah, I could see how people... I mean, if you want more monsters, Josh, if you want more monsters, Josh, you can watch, you know, like uh, the 3D animated movies. You know, you know what? Those gems. At this point, since I'm getting on a Resident Evil kick, I might end up watching them. I watched the first one. I thought it was the most boring shit ever, and I'd didn't want to watch any of the sequels, but then everyone's freaking out. Because, oh my god, it was so cool. Ada gets in a cat fight. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Oh god, look at the stupid. Admittedly, Vendetta looks stupid. Like with the gun. I love the, um. Yeah, I was about to say, I love the gung fu, man. Like watching Chris Redfield and Leon Kennedy oh, just do some gung fu on yeah, some zombies. They and turn Chris, into John Wick. Yeah, and like, and Chris, like, yeah. and like, like, and Chris Redfield is at the point to where he's like literally doing a DDT on zombies because he's encountered so much. It's and just, that's, that's I don't something, know why, man, but that, that's something you can only get with a canon movie that expects you to have attachment to these characters for over 10 years because now they're, they're so good at zombie killing that, yeah, they're, they fucking, they're fucking John Wick and Razor Ramon over here. But uh, no, to continue my thoughts on the show, uh, I could see how somebody with no attachment to Resident Evil isn't going to be displeased that the story is nothing like Resident Evil. I just don't know if what's there is special enough because it's because it, we've seen the cringe shit, the Z- Zootopia porn line, and so forth. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there there is a really good line where uh, Wesker's daughter gets in trouble at school and he's threatening the parent of the girl that she beat up and he's asking him like what he does what he does for umbrella and he's like i'm fucking lead research i'm indispensable he's like you i could you know make one phone call and you'd be out and you would never get a job anywhere else Pornhub will shred your resume <laughs> wow and i'm like damn that's that's it's still kind of cringe, but I like it. It's um, very cringe because it's it is like acknowledging the internet to a degree that's like unnatural. They yeah, they acknowledge that they say Zootopia porn, which is a very niche thing, and uh, they, apparently they make a reference to 4chan at some point too. They, made they say a something reference up, to Nya. Yeah, and then Nya Torrance. So it's like it's full up. Some 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 Zoomer, some Gen Z wrote this, or the theory I heard is that. AI writes this, or millennial maybe. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Zoomers don't know about Nya, do they? I don't know. But uh, they, they do. But I don't think Zoomers are old enough to be working on network Netflix yet. Oh yeah, maybe but, not. Yeah, what am I saying? I don't know. Oh, no, they What's are a Zoomer. They might late be. 90s, they I might just yeah. be. No, late nineties. Yeah, late nineties. Never mind. Yeah, we're older than you think, dude. I don't know even if they though we're Zoomers. The show though. I don't know. but. But, you know, they just write this shit with AI programs anyway. You really think a person wrote this? AI, that's why it doesn't have anything to do with Resident Evil. AI writes it, and then a human comes in to make sure it all makes sense, and then they slap it on it, yeah. And, and they, AI writes it and then puts the script into a title generator, and it just picks yes. a franchise that's, <laughs> that's available. Yep. And then they just yeah. edit, put in names, and mention Raccoon City. It's the same system uh, that they did for, like, uh, Cloverfield Paradox. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that irritates me, and then we'll get off of this because we're getting out of 20 minutes. I guess we should talk about MK4 comic. <laughs> Although there's another thing we probably want to mention, too, uh, is that it annoys me that the writers assume... Well, one, I don't think they play the games. Uh, the, the actor that plays Wesker, uh, what's his name? Lance Reddick. 
he admitted that he he never knew Wesker was a, a video game character. He thought Resident Evil was just the movies. But that's fine. He's the actor. The guys that wrote it, though, I'm not sure if they played the games either because they seem to not be aware that Resident Evil is not supposed to be about the end of the world. <laughs> that was just something that the Anderson movies did and not till halfway through, you know? Because this, this is what this show does. It's got two timelines. One timeline is the stupid teen drama shit that leads up to a catastrophe, and the other timeline is the end of the world, and they go parallel. And that also makes it kind of drag, which is why I'm like, I don't know if it's good on its own merits outside of the Resident Evil thing. It feels like a very generic-y show. That's so weird. But wait, doesn't... Wait, so the Resident Evil games aren't about the end of the world? No. The... They never were. Uh, the end of Raccoon City, and then it's always oh, a catastrophe. It's always to the city. Yeah, there's always a catastrophe that happens somewhere else. But the biggest and out of the biggest and most chaotic it got is in six, where basically the fallout of Umbrella, you know, going under is that now terrorist organizations have their hold on bioweapons, and that's just it. It's just global conflict. It's not an end of the world. But wasn't five based in Africa or something? Yeah, it was based in some fictional country in Africa, but it wasn't the end of the world. They just had a Ganado outbreak, just like in Spain and four. Yeah, they kind of treat. Yeah, they yeah they kind of treat the idea that like, hey, this disease comes out and like turns everybody into zombies. As horrific as they is, like as that is, in the games they treat it like it's a bioterrorism uh, incident. So like, it's just like, oh, like people are like. Evil people are turning other people into weapons because the whole thing is about bioweapons and bioterrorism and bio this and bio that. Like it, it's it's it really does feel like more like Resident Evil basically it, like it really started with four. But once it hit five and six, it felt more like Call of Duty, but like Call of Duty with zombies. It kind of well, not even zombies. More like that. Well, yeah, six did have zombies, but yeah, it's it's not even doesn't even have to be zombies now. Is it? Four and five are the, the Illuminados or the Ganados. You know, it's a parasite where they're intelligent. Six has zombies and has some new thing where it just, you keep your humanity. You just grow cool googly arms and stuff like that. So, so terrorists, yeah. now you got terrorists with four arms. Oh God. And then, and now in seven and eight, we got the, the mold. Yeah. Yeah. And Josh, I remember like, when you and I were playing six, we were both laughing because we were playing Ken- Leon Kennedy's campaign when he was with girl, what's her name? Helena. It doesn't matter yeah. because her story. Yeah, Melania. But like, we got to the boss arena, and this dude like injects himself with the virus, and the and it makes him like grow into like a zombified giant T Rex. Yeah, that's like monstrously sized. And then after that, he like shrinks back down when you hit him enough times. I'm just like, at this point, like the T virus can just do anything. He's like, running. Want to become like. The running phrase when we played RE6 is just like in real life. Yeah, just like in real life. Yeah. So, like, if you wanted to be like a giant penguin with wings with a refrigerator for a face and a and like an like an eight K missile launcher with nuclear atomic submarine machine gun attached to its feet, then yes, you can like do all this with the T virus just by injecting it. Like, you'll have it all. Just you have just you just have to will it into existence at this point. So. <laughs> So this was another installment of Umbrella Time, our podcast within a podcast of Combat Time. Yes. You know, yes. small small aside, I got to wonder, like, because, you know, I, I'm the Resident Evil guy, according to you, and I've been thinking about the franchise a lot lately. I wonder if I should do a little side side quest, do a little uh, Resident Evil podcast with just me or y'all. That's going to be... I don't know. 
Josh, that's going to be all you, and it's likely going to involve our Twitch stream, which I will promote because we are doing more Twitch streams in the future involving Fightcade like we've done before yeah, in the yeah. past, and we should promote that because I had a lot of fun. Like, we were playing some old classic MK2 and some Third Strike, and Yasin was whooping my butt with Kung Lao, and I hate him for it because <laughs> I'm just not good at that game. Um, but that's okay. We played Third Strike. I got him back, did, so it was did. all good. Uh, yeah, we did yeah. our, uh, what, what did we call it? Fight night. Fight night. Fight night. Yeah, yeah. fight night. Uh, well, KT fight night, I think is what it was called. Yeah, KT but, fight night. <laughs> combat yeah, time did, fight night is a little too long. Here we go, twitch.tv slash combat type pod. Uh, you can see the VOD up now of our first stream for fight night, which is about three hours, just under three hours. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We're going to do it again. Definitely going to work on adjusting some of the levels for some of, like, I think, uh, Third Strike's audio is pretty high compared to everything else. Also, I'm yeah. sitting far away from the computer, I think, when I'm playing <laughs> it because I'm just zoned out playing the game. You got to get yourself a little uh, gaming headset. Uh, Yeah, but the audio would suck. I mean, I like okay, the... I was going to say that could record your audio with a microphone or whatever. Oh, that's that's technical stuff. We'll figure that out. But yeah, we, yeah. we are going to do... We're going to do some more Fight Nights. Or, you know, we'll definitely play... The next, uh, one of the next games we'll talk about, Special Forces, we'll probably play, we'll definitely play that on Switch. And I don't know, it's something we're experimenting with. If <laughs> Resident Evil 4, if maybe if I get it on my PC, if I, my PC can fucking handle running that and a stream, maybe I could stream RE4. I'd rather play it. I'd rather play it and get scared instead of playing it while talking, but you know. I'm about to say, like, I could do it, but I also don't. I don't like scary games. Yeah, and this one's uh, going to be pretty... I really wouldn't call Resident Evil 4 a scary game. It's, a, it's, it. fa- it, it's a different type of scary than the first one. It's more of a panic scary, but it's still got hella atmosphere. But this, but this is going to be a remake. It's probably going to amp up the scary. No, I'm talking about playing like, the old one. Oh, even playing the old one? I don't know. I'd, I'd want to yeah, play Yeah, yeah, if that's the case... It's more panic scary. Case, seen, I... Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, you've seen, like, the original, like, especially the Resident Evil remake that originally came out on GameCube, which is just chef's kiss good. I love that game. Um, But I wouldn't recommend you seeing that you actually play that game, because that game actually has enough atmosphere where it actually is. He don't, he don't, he don't want to play, talking, he don't want to play fucking I'm not playing one. one I've never remake. played one. I've never yeah. played one. Yeah, don't play one. There's tarantulas in it <laughs> yeah, for one. And, and I've seen, I've seen it in, uh, in, uh, Elliot's streams, and I'm just like, nope, not. Nah, yeah, enough, enough suspense to make you poop your pants, but, uh. Four, four, you know, like I said, there, there, there are moments. You played all four, then, right? I've played most of four. I think I played. Okay, like you talk like you've it. played the whole game before. I mean, no, it I, is. I, I've played most of it. Okay, it is. I more of an action game. People complain that it, turned, yeah, it, it ruined Resident Evil, but it's atmosphere out the wazoo. There are, I mean, most of the fear is panic of just like, oh my god, there's people everywhere. There's a guy with a chainsaw. Ah. Place. Yeah, but there are, I mean, there's atmosphere in the village, but there are a couple moments towards, like, midway to three-quarters of the way through the game with some, there's a couple jump scares, and there's a particular yeah. scary-as-fuck enemy, so. Just... <laughs> what? I just looked at the time, it's been 27 minutes, and we haven't talked about yeah. Hey, 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 I, I will I will say this there that you can make you can make some parallels on the side to Mortal Kombat and Resident Evil. Both both Mortal Kombat and Resident Evil contain zombies. 
I played the crypt. It exists. Yeah. They both contain uh yep, yep, they both contain monsters. They both contain people that use guns as fi- like as fighting weapons. They both contain Gunkana and they both contain like martial arts moves because Ada Wong does martial arts. I don't care what anybody says. Um, and she literally like does, yeah. they involve special powers, like special powers that let them do incredible things. Because you know Wesker's over here teleporting across the damn room, and you know so is Raiden. And you forgot so, the most you know, important link, Jay. Paul W. Anderson. Paul W. S. Anderson. Yes, this is true. Directed yeah. the best video game adaptation in the world, and then it kind of eh, okay the Resident Evil. adaptation. <laughs> yeah, then Resident Evil, and and the fucking uh, you know created a fucking franchise after that. Man, do you realize now that if Paul W.S. Anderson would have actually created a Mortal Kombat movie today? Man, you know Mia Jovovich would be Sonya. You know it. She's not a Sonya. She could be a Katana. But she would I be agree a, she's not. I, I agree she she's not, not a Sonya, but she would no be a Sonya. I can see that happening. Like, I can't unsee it. Now. She'd be it's the, like, she'd be the Cole Young. So she was Alice. Let's make her another uh, OG character. She'd be Carly. Carly Young. There you go. Carly Young. Yep. <laughs> Care, oh God, Karen Young. Oh God, that's I even better. Speak to your manager. I want to. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to make that canon. It's like you know, she instead of fighting everybody, she just asks to see the manager of Outworld. She wants to see Shao Kahn. She's got problems, and he actually gets flustered. He's like, "Oh my God." Anywho, before we uh, get on to talking about them, we, we we could do a thing in the show notes and say, "Yeah, we spend a good deal talking about Resident Evil in the beginning." Yeah. Uh, before we move on to to MK4 comic though, did. Do we want to mention at all the big surprise guest that happened at G-Fest, which yes. will have happened two weeks ago as of this recording? Uh, when this recording I mean, comes I mean, out? It happened, but like, yeah. I mean, it happened, but it's like a guest appearance that we weren't there for, which makes it seem I'm just saying, worse. like, it's a little neat bit of interesting Mortal Kombat Was celebrity trivia. No, he wasn't a guest. I, I say that jokingly. He's just there. Okay. So, me and Jay are big Godzilla fans, and you see he's a big Tokusatsu Hello. fan. We kind of, well, you're, you're more into the Sentai and, and Metal Hero right, Kamen Rider. I'm, I'm a, but, yeah, but it's all, it is, it is all under the yeah. Tokusatsu umbrella. So but anyway, I, mean, yes, me, I mentioned me and Jay first because we've been going to G Fest uninterrupted okay. for about eight years, a little longer for Jay, maybe more like 10 years for Jay, and, and Yasin's come to two of them with us. Uh, I only stopped yeah. going briefly. Uh, Jay kept going. I came back for one grand, like, hey, I'm back. And then I made a fool of myself at the dead dog party. And then I haven't been back since. Um, <laughs> not because of that. And then, of course, uh, COVID, you know, put a halt to everything. Uh, so some frustration because the, 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 the head of the, the fest, you know, was kind of like, oh, no, we could still do it. But, uh, obviously he didn't know how big it was going to be. Had its grand return this year. And then, uh, you know, we, Jay wasn't able to go, but we have some friends who are there. And holy shit, who's there? But, Jay, you want to say it? Dan motherfucking Piscina, a.k.a. the OG Johnny Cage. My, my, my man. My man. And Dan Piscina. And Scorpion. And Reptile. And some of the ninjas. Um, yeah, just randomly out of the fuck, it's someone just, had a yeah. picture next to Dan Piscina with his sunglasses on and everything. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Like holy crap. And, and and like and like it like it kind of moved my heart a little bit because our buddy like had mentioned and showed us the picture of him there and my first thought was like wait a minute I've been going to G Fest since like 2008 every single year up until COVID and then the one year that I could have gone I decide not to go because of like something else that happened where I couldn't afford it and then out of nowhere in Chicago 
Dan freaking Piscina is there, and not and and it's not like he was on the guest list. This dude just showed up, so it's just like freaking Dan Piscina is a Godzilla fan, just hanging out with fans at G Fest, and I wasn't there. It makes you wonder like, how many I, G Fest has he gone to that we just didn't notice because he was. Yeah. That could that could be too. That could be too. And I don't even know if it means he's a Godzilla fan or it's in Chicago, dude. He probably lives still in Chicago, so he's probably like, hey, here's this convention. Fuck, I'll go. Why not? Or maybe he is a Godzilla fan. Who knows? It's more random than than when we went that one year and Dr. Morte from Atlanta's very own uh, Silver Screen Spook Show showed up in costume from our hometown in that convention, but that made more sense because he hosts goddamn monster movies. Yeah, he's a big big, kaiju fan. I just didn't expect him yeah. to show up there, you know, because we already knew him from yeah. the show, and then he shows up there. It just kind of blows my mind that, like, you know, kind of like what you meant, like what you guys mentioned earlier, that he could have been at one of the earlier G uh, um, G Fest conventions where I was selling my art there, and me not even know it because it's not like I recognize the dude outright. He he could have bought some of my art, like so. Like let's just say I would have gone this year, and I just would have just randomly met this guy because, like, I know me. Someone was to point out Dan Pacina in a crowd, you will see me walk towards him, and I will attempt to make a conversation with him in a very respectable manner. So if I start talking to him and he's like, "Oh yeah, I bought your art two years ago," I'm gonna be like, "What?" Like, like, like you own my art and like, and you have it, which means that you've been here in the past and I never knew who you were. And at that point, I'm just going to be like, wow, I like, I'm a horrible fan. I'm a horrible. I'm, I was going to say, you were a horrible yeah. fan if he, if he actually bought art from you and you didn't recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm awful. Worse. Like, I, I like, I don't deserve the spotlight on this podcast. Just fire me. Yeah. Okay. Well, luckily that's all, that's that. all a hypothetical. We don't know if that would have, that would have happened or not. Wait, so we can't fire him? No, I'm sorry. I'm looking at my legal papers. The, we don't got a leg to stand on in that. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is the you know, yeah, I mean, this is a democratic podcast. So if Josh and Yassine, if you just hate my guts one day, you're like, Jay, we hate you. You don't know anything about Mortal Kombat. You're kicked out. I'll be like, well, there goes that. There yeah, goes that. Two, two votes against one, unless you want to say we got the electoral college here and your vote counts for three. Years. <laughs> Oh God! It's very complicated. Uh, if, he, if he leaves, he just somehow he's going to end up on MK Podquest, and then we just can't have that. No, we can't have that. Well, they yeah, have yeah, him. yeah. I'll, um, I'll, like, like, um, I'll talk to Neil. I'll talk to Neil. I'll just get on that. I'm, I'm saying, sure me and him can have some fun time. I'm just saying we need we need the firepower when we inevitably have our MK Podquest versus like combat time battle in the arena, like yeah. in real life. We need the there numbers. are two people. We're three. Yeah, yeah. We need the numbers. So, yeah, we're stronger together than we are apart, guys. Just, apes you know, together, just strong. <laughs> Keep together, strong. <laughs> but that, you know, but that aside, though, I promise this is a Mortal Kombat Four, the prequel comic <laughs> podcast. I, I absolutely promise you it is. Yeah, let's we, let's get on. Uh, we we front loaded now. Uh, with plenty of discussion that I think we'll feel safe that this won't be a tiny episode anymore. So, uh, let's start off with the with the freaking cover, which is very misleading. I, I hate and also it's really very weird. bad too. It's the worst color uh, I've seen wait, in a comic. Let, let's preamble a little bit, uh, explain what this fucking comic is. Not that everyone doesn't know, but this is you know the 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 prequel comic that came out before the release of the game. Much like the uh, MK One, MK Two, the, the canon edition. comics uh, collection edition. edition. I was going to say tournament yeah. edition, but that's misleading. That's the wrong phrase. Uh, unlike those, this one isn't done by Ed Boon. It's based on his story notes. You mean John? But, 
Yeah, goddamn, John Tobias. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, it's the script is actually written by a guy by Abuna. I don't think that's his forte. He's I know a, he's that's a programmer. That's why okay, I want to see, I want why not? To see his, art, his art skills and see what he does. I don't think he has art skills. <laughs> Be little stick figures. Like why not? Man. Hey, yeah, look, anybody, anybody can succeed, man. You just got to have a good yeah. idea. Anyway, this one was written by a guy named Ted Adams, uh, and it just is based on a story by John Tobias, uh, penciled by Ryan Benjamin, and colored by Joel Benjamin, probably his brother, and then a whole bunch of other people that worked on so. that. But yeah. I don't think so. What you don't think it's his brother? That's his brother. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I could check. I assumed. You know what happens when you assume. And uh, who fucking published this, dude? Because it doesn't. Is it printed in Canada? I yeah, I saw that note too. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> Not funny because it's printed in Canada, but funny because it's a note way at the bottom, away from the credits. It's just like printed in Canada. I know it's weird. Yeah, there's yeah actually yeah that that is true. I'm just now noticing that there really is no publisher for this book. It's not in the cover. It's not anywhere. It just has the Mortal Kombat logo on the top right. So this may have been kind of an indie comic thing. That's just kind of a one off. Just produced specifically to market the game. So yeah, I mean it literally is a one off, but you know. The one thing I notice about this cover, though, that you know I have to look closely at it, but it just it struck me as just like. If I look at Liu Kang on the cover, he's clearly wearing a red shirt. You can see the folds in the shirt. Yeah. I look at, you know, I look at, um, you know, I like even if I look at the guy in the background, <laughs> I which it. I, which I think is, which I think is Shinnok. No, but it's Fujin. It, no, it's Fu- okay, yeah. Fujin. Okay, okay, yeah, and like, and I can see some clothes on there. Then I look at Sonya, and the only actual clothing on her is a cap because that actually has definition, but. Everything else is just a texture on a 3D model. It's not actual. Are you, are you saying her clothes are painted on? Yes. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, no. You, I, I see what you mean. It is. I just hate the cover because they're obviously. They all look like the cutscene models. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the time, uh, in some ways, I can kind of forgive that because you're trying to be authentic to the game, I guess, because maybe that looked really uh, maybe that was like the hot look at the time, because that's like early 3D day. That would be my first guess. This is them like wanting to advertise that, you know, they're going full 3D with the new game. I guess that works. 3D. You know, in the context. Also, speaking of Sonya's shirt, uh. Why does she have an NFL logo on her shirt? It looks like it looks like a soccer league logo. Okay, I always said soccer, but then I was looking at it as we're reevaluating the game in the comic. It looks more like the NFL logo, but football or football, either way, it literally looks like a Juventus uh, the football uh, club in uh, uh, not Barcelona, Spain. Yeah, yeah. I guess she's just a fan. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, she's a fan. <laughs> I mean, she's not a part of special forces, um, which they mentioned in there. I, I I knew the whole Outworld investigation investigation agency was a thing at the ending of MK three, but I always thought it was created by special forces. But here, and this might not be fully canon. She says, "No, I don't work for special forces anymore." I'm yeah. Uh, so O I A. So looking at looking online, there isn't that much official info on it that I can see. Well, there probably is. I'm, Looking at it wrong, but I think it's Malibu Comics. That's what I would assume. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would assume too, but there's no logo anywhere. Like even when I look at the end, like yeah, like the only thing I was able to find is printed in Canada. Boy, I should have done my usual research. Why didn't I? It's published by yeah, it's published by Man Malibu Comic. Okay. Yeah, I mean like it's cool that like it is published by Malibu. I mean I like from their quality, this kind of makes sense and that and that's consistent. But I'm just surprised because usually the Malibu Comics logo is on is on a lot of these. Like when we did our old comic episodes in the past on mk1 through 3 um we've like the malibu comics logo was on there i'm surprised it wasn't on this one maybe well maybe it's because like it was like a prequel because i don't think the original mortal kombat one by tobias who did the art for i don't think that had the malibu i'm going to look at it right now hold on let me tell you no it doesn't uh, the the mortal kombat collector's edition by tobias just has the midway logo on it it was i mean that was published by midway yeah so, yeah, so that wasn't by Malibu, obviously. So, same thing here. This is a midway. They just didn't need to put their logo on it. It's just to promote the game, and that's it. But I, but I guess I can kind of see it, because that comic, Josh, that you're referring to, like, was just literally a setup for Mortal Kombat 2. Well, that's what this is. It's a setup for yeah, and that's what, Yeah, and that's what this is. So, they're essentially, this comic that we're reviewing today and the old one that we're talking about are, like, the same thing it's just it's just setup that's all it is it's just like hey did you play this game and you wonder where all these characters get their initial interactions from well we have a comic for you yeah. to set you up for the game Which to come should have been like we should have paired this with another comic except there's nothing else there wasn't another comic mortal Kombat comic existing at this time to really pair it with you know in our in our upcoming comic episode we're going to talk about the the one offshoot the offshoots we haven't read yet which is a katana right. malina one what? Huh? What? What? I'm looking on Wikipedia. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at comics published by Malibu Comics. And MK4 isn't there. But it's under Midway Games, like, label. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Is that right? Mortal Kombat 4, right? Yeah. I guess it yeah, was published so by Mid- why did Why did I see so many places say Probably that because they assume... They asked me, they assumed, mm. because Malibu, yeah, so. But we we do our fucking research, so we know better. On the spot. <laughs> on the spot. Yeah, but, I mean, but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but even if we do it on the spot, at least we all kind of have, you know, foresight about this. Because, yeah, you, if you're a comic book publisher, you don't publish your comics if you're an independent publisher and not have your logo on it somewhere. Every publishing company that has ever existed usually does this on the cover. Oh. Like, Image does it, Marvel does it, DC does it, Malibu does it, IDW does it. Like all these, all these publishers are going to put their logo. There's even like, what is it, Blue Wave Comics or something like that. Like even they do it. So the fact that like there's no publishing logo on it, that's what told me is like, is, like did Malibu really do this and they just not put their logo Birds on it? I, do even it. I think that was sharks weird. do it. Even the bees do it. Let's do it. Let's make love or fall in love. Uh, anyway, what is going on? Right there? Fucking old fucking <laughs> song. Anyway, old so swing song. It said that this was this 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 uh, comic uh, obviously made as a tie-in for the PS One and uh, SD Four releases. Uh, initially re- available for pre-order uh, with the games, uh, but then it was later packaged with the PC version, which makes me wonder if I actually had it and just don't remember because I had the PC. Oh man, yeah, MK Four. It's probably thrown it's out coming. with the packaging. We we were big in the comics back then, so I feel like I would have had it. Huh. If 
but I don't remember this comic. Reading it now, I'm like, I don't remember anything from this. Yeah, I'd, uh, fuck what's going on here. I was looking at the comic, and then all of a sudden, it fucked up. There we go. (laughs) My program fucked up. But yeah, uh, Uh we will, what's, uh uh-oh. Go ahead. Oh. We will talk about Katana Molina and the special, two-part Special Forces comic on our next full comics episode. I don't think this could be considered our comics part three. I think this is more our, our comics 2.5 episode. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're well, really... I think... God. Well, like, it like it, like it ties specifically into Mortal Kombat 4, which was our previous episode. Like, we're kind of, like, going in, like, a specific order with these. So, I, so I, th- I think it's actually totally fine that we're actually doing this comic. I just... I, I'm actually kind of sad because as someone who never really knew a lot about Mortal Kombat 4 until I actually played the game over at Josh's place and didn't really know the lore behind it all too much. It's cool to see a comic. I just kind of want more. I kind of wish they would have done like um, another comic. It could have been really about anything that kind of tied in at least during Mortal Kombat 4 or after the conclusion of Mortal Kombat 4 as, as this just feels... You know, I mean, granted, there's some things I like about this comic overall, but it really is kind of a just like a prequel setup, which, you know, fundamentally is not, in my opinion, not that interesting. Um, interesting. It's just a gimmick. It's like, hey, buy the comic and then buy the game and yeah, then spend a, your money and that's buy exact, more stuff. That's exactly what it exists a, for. It doesn't even hide it. It says at the end, story continues in Mortal Kombat 4. Yeah. yeah. So. But. I will say, I have often complained, and I still complain about this. I do not like the way Reptile looks on Mortal Kombat 4. I consider it the ugliest Reptile out of any rendition of him that I have seen thus far. But I do like the way this comic actually designs him for as briefly as we see him. I like the way Reptile looks in the I comic. I mean, he looks literally like he does in the That's game. That's literally what like he is in the game, yeah. I don't understand. He's got a little bit yeah, more detail. Like a, He's got a spine. Looking at him now, he's got a spine going up his forehead. Maybe it's not in the game. I guess it's just the detail that sells it because it's literally the same design from the game. Yeah. Yeah. He. Well, I think it's just. I think it's like it. He's only in like two or three shots in the yeah. entire comic, but like, he, like even at the beginning, he just looks. He has this like almost like noble side profile look, which to me is very reptile. I kind of have a like. I've always had kind of like a soft spot for this character the more I learned about him, and I think that this look in a comic form suits him. But when he's translated into early three D, I just think he looks absolutely horrid. Well, I think looks everyone ugly. looks kind of ganky in early three D, so there's there's that. Uh, yeah, also, it should be yeah, noted. I mean, I was... uh, Sindel, who who's appearing in the in this panel in this page, you know, it's cool to see Sindel in this story. She wasn't added in Mortal Kombat Gold either. She should have been in there. Um, yeah, is sentencing him, his punishment to the Cobalt Mines, which Neil was mm. always glad to to point out is the the only first or only canonical reference of the cobalt mines which if you don't know what the cobalt mines are those are where shang sung's imprisoned in conquest the tv show so this means they're canon or that they they might have pulled the name in conquest from john tobias's notes there might be a cobalt mine things that's cool also you know what i really like Hmm? good i was about to say like don't you just love like the little things that a franchise can do as it evolves to make things canon, like, you know, I think probably the most famous one that we've talked about in the past is how, like, you know, Kano, Kano was never an Aussie right. until the movie came out. And then we're like, oh, he's an Aussie now, like, just because it worked so dang well. And then that just became the new canon. And now you can't and now you can't have a non-Aussie Kano ever. 
<laughs> exactly. I kind of want to play it up. I want. I want to do. I, I want to do a limey British Kano again. But you know, maybe we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, and you know, speaking of which, Tanya here. Uh, I don't know. She looks interesting because, as y'all know, when MKX came out and Tanya was a secret character, a lot of people didn't like that. It looked like she had been whitewashed, and so they went ahead and changed her to look more like what she appeared in in MK4 as, as a black woman. But she really wasn't. Su- supposed to be black in mk4 she appeared as such but her model also was the same actress that played katana sindel in three and she's hispanic so i don't have a portrayed her here she looks very much like almost asian uh and light-skinned so it's kind of interesting how tanya evolved a little bit too to how people remembered her to be fair Everybody in this comic kind of looks Asian. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true too. The way that <laughs> a little like, bit. I, I I looked at the artist a little bit, and he seems pretty prolific in like DC comics and stuff now, and his art is really good. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if maybe this was early on in his career, but like all the faces have like most of them have like really small eyes, and then yeah, when you get to like Asian Tanya's characters father. like Liu Kang, but then when you get to like characters like Liu Kang, it's like almost offensive how small his eyes are. Like, it's wild. scroll over to Earth's the King. Sub-Zero. Yeah, There's see other problems, mean. too. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow, that is bad. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, really before, we, before we move on, I want to say something else. You know what else I love about this depiction of Reptile and all the two panels he's in? Yeah. Is he, he doesn't do that annoying... St- 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 snake yeah, kiss thing. God. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, I'm kind of... Fucking talk I, like a normal person. That's the one thing that I enjoyed about those <laughs> is the portrayal that comes with that. It just it was just comedic how unfortunately much him like hiss in the He does in, speak in, like that in in the cinema scenes in MK4 the game, unfortunately. But yeah, thankfully he doesn't in this comic because there's nothing more annoying than reading ten S's in a row all in a squiggly oh, line. Man, I loved it. It yeah. was the best. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's sincere. Uh, that sounded very sincere. No, I I dug it because it was just so ridiculous that it went back to being like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> well, they don't do it here, thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's that. Like, there actually is like a couple of other things I want to say about the art, and like you seen, I kind of agree with you. I actually think the art, honestly, is not is not really all that bad. If there's one thing I do like about it is that the composition of the panels, in my opinion, is quite good. Like anytime I was reading this, I never felt that I didn't know what was going on. Like all the characters don't blend into the background. And I can tell that whether where it's an action scene yeah. or they're talking, the letters and the sound effects are easily seeable. The, my one big complaint is that, yeah, everybody's face is kind of like the same generic face, but morphed in a weird way on people. So there's not a lot of like facial diversity. Uh, everybody's face is kind of... I should clarify. So I, should, I should clarify. I think earlier I said that everybody looks Asian. I shouldn't have said that. I should have said everybody looks the way people used to stereotypically draw Asians. Mm. It's not how Asians look, but it's just back then, I feel like a lot of artists drew asian people in a specific way and i think they've gotten better at that now but yeah that's what i was trying to say back 
earlier. Well, there's also a technique that this artist is using that is kind of like a tale as old as time. If um if the artist wants to draw small eyes in general, no matter what it is, they tend to just draw everybody's eyes as just like a pupilless thing. So like a lot of people. Yeah, that's um, what Liu Kang looks like here, and you see, he's right. Liu Kang almost does look offensively drawn. Whatever. Like. Like like Sub Zero, for example. Sub Zero has no pupils, and what, no matter what panel he's in, that's because um, he's mystical or something like that. Yeah, I figured that was because of the whole like, is a comic. I mean, in the games, like his eyes usually are white and out, like like, are they? like yeah. Scorpion, like kind of like Scorpion. I feel like I don't think they are. He has pupils really? in three. Yeah, yeah, and like uh. like and Liu Kang, for example, in some panels he doesn't even have eyes. He ha- like he has lines. He's looking yeah. like Brock. That's what I'm saying. He yeah, is totally it's, it's offensively, offensively drawn. Yeah, but I will say like other than that, like I actually think the art is pretty well done. My only thing is that I don't like the coloring, and that just that's just the coloring of the era, like late nineties, oh, really? early two thousand. Yeah, when they did the yeah. whole like uh, they they digitally color it, but they didn't really figure out how to do it well. So like everything is hmm. kind of like, it's like, uh, you're kind of like, you're like, kind of going, like you're kind of going early Photoshop there where you have like the most basic of filters, yeah, like there's I actually see one panel mean. where, where, where I can see like they have like the clouds filter, like there's huh. this panel with Sonya where there's a purple background behind her and just looking at that panel in this, in this one, you know, in this one page, I'm like, yeah, you basically just did like a purple to red gradient and then you did the cloud effect and then you just did a horizontal, um, stri- like a horizontal stretch and then just called it a day. Like, like that's what you did. I feel like every panel, like if you're looking at the skin tone and stuff, everything is a gradient, like all the shading and the light, like the yeah. highlights are all gradients. And that's it doesn't look handmade. Yeah, the only part that looks natural is the part uh, later on in the comic when Sonya's fighting uh, Jarek, I think. And I think it's because at night that they kind of had to tone down the gradients a bit, so it kind of looks a little more natural. But everything else, when it's in daylight or, or just like high contrast, it just looks like a giant gradient around every muscle and every background it just it just doesn't look natural to me and that's just that's just the era like that's just a lot of comics back then were done that way one thing like one thing that's kind of bringing me back is that i'm seeing a lot of like you see now that you point that out and i'm looking and like i'm kind of like going through and looking at some of these panels oh man Never gets old. I I like I took I took an art class back in my day, and we learned back then don't overuse dodge and burn. There is so much dodge and burn in some of these panels, man. Mm. <laughs> like this is this is early Photoshop, and for any of you that definitely know your Photoshop, listen to this. You will know what dodge and burn is. It's like the cla- the absolute classic, most laziest way to do highlights and shadows in any comic panel, and there's a lot of it here. I can yeah. see it. Yeah. See, I'm not yeah, an artist. Only, what, what would be the preferred, the 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 right way to do it would be what do it just uh, using an actual color brush instead of uh, the dodge and burn to actually draw it in instead of cheat it in. Well, well, they didn't have that back then. A lot of these, like a lot of these, like pages. So, like back then, Josh, when they were like when they were coloring a comic like this, they didn't have no like fancy schmancy Cintiq or like a drawing pen or whatever, you had your mouse. Like that's all you had. You had your mouse and the selection button. That's what you had. And you had like, and you had to like draw a line. Like you're basically going into like, um, what is it? Uh, um, not Adobe After Effects, but what's the one where you use the pen tool a lot? 
Adobe something. Illustrator. It was the pen. Illustrator, yeah. You're basically doing like you're using like Adobe Illustrator tool sets where you have like the pen tool and you have basic selections. So a lot of this stuff you would have had to do with the mouse and the selection tool. So you're not going to get the fine tuning of a lot right. of this stuff like you were. That's why a lot of like the stuff has this sort of like weird gradient look on it where there's not a lot of sharp shadows. Even when you see a lot of sharp highlights and sharp shadows in some of the panels, you're they're going to have like a fade to them. And that is, and that you're going to get specifically from using your mouse and then drawing that. And that's just like you seen said that's just what they did at the time. Like Photoshop was still a relatively new thing. It was sort of like the privileged thing that only the most privileged of artists could get their whole to get their hands on. It was like sort of the new program on the block to actually do coloring. Um, so if you could like back then, if you if you had mastered Photoshop, then you getting a job as a colorist was going to be easy, like easy peasy work because you probably could do it fast and efficiently. But yeah, this is definitely some early Photoshop work um, in this color. Which is weird because back then I remember get, what, uh, getting comics like this. Well, not this specific, but like comics that were colored like this and being like, oh man, this looks so much better than the old style. Because the old style was like definitely showing its age a bit. Mm. And I remember seeing this and being like, oh man, this looks so much cooler. But now that I look back at it, I'm like, man, this just does not look natural at all. Like I prefer the old style. Or even How what they do now. Yeah. But I will say... The everything else, like like you said, composition, uh, line work, I think is really well done. I think it's way better than what we got with like, you know, uh, Battle Wave and Blood and Thunder and all those comics. Like For this sure. is like a, this is like because this artist is like really like really good. I just think I just think the only thing my issue is is yeah the, the coloring and yeah how they draw some of the faces and eyes and stuff. Yeah, like I think, I think, I think probably my biggest complaint, if I had to give like a like a basically a very picky art critique, is that in page nineteen of this comic, Liu Kang has a broken, stretched out face, which doesn't look very, very good. And oh yeah, he's drawn Liu Kang specifically fine up until this point. I don't know what happened here, um, but his face is like all stretched out and oh wow. Terrible. I mean, if you, I mean, How if did you I look miss at that. I mean, look below and look at uh, Sonya Blade. Like her neck is sticking out like crazy. Like that is, yeah. That is, and if you look at like, like, and if you look at page, um, page eight at the top, there is a panel of Goro and Katana talking to someone of Montaro's race. I don't know if I don't think it's Montaro himself. It's just someone of his race, and he doesn't have the body of a horse. He has the body of what it looks like a. A brontosaurus or a plesiosaur or well, something. Mataro's race does have a, a long tail instead of a horsey tail. Yeah, but those legs, man, don't. I that don't look right. Like I look at that, I'm like, tell you what, yeah, if he were a horse racer and a, if he had those, if a horse had those legs, he'd be winning, winning the triple crown for <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, but, just like like it just feels. Like, like it basically, it basically feels off. And I guess another picky thing: why does Goro? Because I always think like Goro is just angry all the damn time. But in every panel, he just looks sad. Like he has no eyes. He just has black yeah, shadow. He lost Mortal Kombat. He's still ashamed. He even says so. He's so. like, I, I've been hiding because I've been ashamed, and now I could come out. But it doesn't mean he's proud. He lost Mortal Kombat. Should we talk about well, the story? I was thinking about that. Yeah. Uh. Basically. Uh, Let's see. We start out uh, hilarious. Let's do 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 do. So Sindel, guys, you... the, uh, so Shao Kahn has been defeated. Sindel has taken over, and is uh, her goal now as queen is to revive 
Edenia to its rightful glory, I guess. And we first see her uh, basically talking to Reptile, who's been captured by her forces, and she's sentencing him uh, to like eternal slavery because he is still, to this day, even though Shao Kahn is gone, still loyal to Shao Kahn. And, yep, yep. and then we get to see uh, Tanya, and she's being, she's brought over like another race who has, uh, war, who's, who is, they say their planet is being attacked, or their realm is being attacked, and they want Sindel to help. And I believe that's when uh, someone gives Sindel like this orb to, yeah, as so a token, I guess. A, of, sus- a suspicious figure in a hood. A very pale right. face. Who can very that be? pale face with you know some line art with some. I, I gotta completely be honest with you. I didn't pick up yeah. on that. I I took him for face value. When they showed his face with the lines on, on top, I was like, oh, that's quantum. Yeah, I, I missed the line. I'm like, who's this pale face dude? But because uh, his lips are pale too. But you look closely. Oh, oh, yeah, you got that line. I I know I know your tricks, Quanchi. I mean, I saw. I mean, I saw that panel. My first thought was like, "Oh yeah, that's Gore from Love and Thunder, and that's absolutely Christian Bale." There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there were memes about him playing Quan Chi in the next movie because of that. He he does. I've seen pictures of him from Love and Thunder, from Thor: Love and Thunder. If people don't know, and yeah, um, like Thor's villain in that film named Gore. Yeah, like they can say he's Gore, but dude looks like Quan Chi. Like, there's just no doubt. Like, I I can't unsee it now. Like that did Christian. So. No, for future Mortal Kombat movies, get Christian Bale to play Quang Chi. That's what I said. People have been people have been posting that picture, that his reveal picture, and saying, "Here's your new Quang Chi." So you know, yep. and it you looks think believable. Christian Bale would ever be in a Mortal Kombat movie? Touch a Mortal Kombat Come movie on. with a nine foot pole? I mean, hell, he's Batman. Is that much better? Yeah, it's Batman. That's Batman. I mean, Mortal Kombat is a climbing, has climbed, perhaps has reached iconic levels as Batman to where like a respectable actor can approach it. Fuck Christopher <laughs> Lambert is in the first one. He's a, a respectable actor. Is he? Isn't Highlander, dude? <laughs> oh, yeah. I never seen Highlander. Uh he is I actually full confession I never have either. Whoever's listening to this <laughs> the podcast only role that is I've probably shutting it man. down now. You can't respect these guys. Never fucking watched Highlander. <coughs> I mean, he's not like Sean Connery, who also no, he is no, he's, no. Chris, I was messing around. Christian Lambert is definitely a well-known and you know respected actor. Yeah. but like, I just feel like I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> think Christian Bale, Bale would like, touch Mortal Kombat either. Yeah. I'll be fully honest with you. Who was the most famous person in the the newest one? I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, probably the dude from the raid, or or, or Haruki Sonata, right? I guess. I think Hir- Hiroyuki Sonata is probably the most... Like, yeah, like, I was about to say. I think uh, Joe Taslam is the hottest one as far as like actors at that point. Like him and probably maybe Ludi Lin. No, I think Joe Taslam is hotter because he's been in more stuff. Yeah. I mean, fuck, he's in, he was in the Fast series, so there you go. Well, I mean, Hiroyuki Sonata, he's, I think he's a legend. Even though he's not the most well known, people know him like, "Oh, it's that guy." Uh, but do people know him? Like, do the the man on the street know him? Because I, I think, I feel I think like... a lot of, I think a lot of uh, movie enthusiasts do, even though if they're not 
familiar with like, okay. Japanese f- uh, cinema. Like he's been in enough American movies that is like, oh, that dude. If okay. anything, but you, like, have, oh, to a, you have to be a you have to be a movie Rodriguez. aficionado to to really know. Because I didn't know who yeah. he was, and I, I'm a movie aficionado, but I guess you know I, I wasn't familiar enough with him. Yeah, and I think it's the same thing with uh, Shang Tsung's actor. I think it's maybe a little bit the same thing. Same thing with um, Raiden's actor because he's Raiden's in the actor. Floor. Yeah, he's in. The yeah, floor, so. yeah. You know um, what? Fuck it. We're talking all about this James Vanderdink, Vanderbink, whatever his goddamn name is, Johnny Cage. So, isn't he popular? Is he Johnny Cage? He was Johnny Cage in uh, Legacy Season oh. Two and the Unmade uh, X thing. Well, I mean, if we're gonna, if we're gonna go with that, then Michael J. White. Oh yeah, well there you go. Right? Boom, Michael J. White. But then again, is he like a list? Like he he's been Spawn. He's Black Dynamite is what most people know him, and then and then he's the guy that the Joker kills. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's like B B list. But then again, you know, martial arts see. aficionados. Will fucking swear by him because oh, he was in uh, what's some? Uh, he was in Undisputed. Uh, Undisputed. That's it. Yeah. Undisputed. He was in. Uh, what was it Bone and Blood? No, Bone and Blood. I can't remember the movie's name. But which yeah, you know, a lot of stuff. Upcoming upcoming projects. Uh, fuck Mahershala Ali. Not really. I think he's a great actor. Whoa, 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 whoa. Holy Michael Jai White should. Michael Jai White should be the next Blade. Not Mahershala. And, and Josh, I was just and Josh, I was just about to say that there was a time period. I think that time has passed, and Mahershala Ali is not exactly bad casting here. But there was a time period, particularly in the early two thousands, when the Marvel unit, when the like when the MC was first starting out, and people were talking about Blade. Everybody was dropping Michael Jai White. Yeah. I can guarantee you that man would have said yes he in a heartbeat. He can still do it. He's because, still in great shape. Oh yeah, yeah I think he's he not still old. Do it. But I don't think that you've lost with Mahershala Ali. That's a great. I mean, great I mean actor, he's right? a great actor. He's got. He can do a nice growly voice, but he's just. I don't want to like sound like I'm. Background. He doesn't have a martial arts background, and I don't want to sound like I'm body shaming, but he's not buff. You know, shouldn't I mean? Granted, he's a vampire, so aren't vampires lanky? But Blade's traditionally buff, right? I don't know. Yeah. So you're Michael Jai White. Yeah, he is. He's. Yeah, Blade. Yeah, Blade's traditionally buff. He's he's got like he like he's not like overly buff, but Blade traditionally has like peak human physique. Like he's basically he has he has the physique of Batman. Yeah. So I don't know, Michael J. White, save Mahershala Ali for. I I would take him aside. So I, I'm sorry I took away Blade from you, but I'm gonna let you play Michael Arai Shadow Man because I want to make a Shadow Man movie. He'd be great for that because he's a little thinner. And he's got the voice oh. for that. Because if you ever play the Shadow Man game, he's got a very growly voice. It'd be perfect. You and Shadow Man, man. I know. It's the third time I mentioned on this podcast. Play the game. <laughs> you can download the remaster right now. Play it. Great. Anyway. Getting off well, the why don't too. you download Resident Evil 4 and 5? Uh, I'm just waiting to see if they make the next Mortal Kombat movie. Like, if we get, like, an all-CGI character, whoever it is, I bet you 10 bucks. Chris Pratt will voice him. <laughs> what? I mean, we did get one. We, we got Goro. Goro, yeah, whoever voiced him. Why you say that? Because he's Mario now. He's everybody. Yeah, because he's Mario, and he's like in everything. Like Chris, like basically, if you need a generic voice to voice your animated character, <laughs> then Chris Pratt is I probably guess. gonna say yes. I to just you. see it as stunt, like, that, stunt casting at that it, point. That's what it feels like. And any any Hollywood animated movie is just stunt casting. Come on, Chris Pratt is Mario. Yeah. 
That's the saddest thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's, I just find, I just laugh. I just laugh at that. Uh, I, I gotta wonder is is he gonna do the high Italian voice or is he gonna be like a gruff no. Brooklyn voice like in the old cartoon? We don't know. Uh, is it gonna he be something completely different? Something yeah, I heard. I heard it might have been fake a fake leak that somebody saw a cut of the movie or heard some dailies or whatever. I don't know if you can hear dailies. You see dailies, but you know what I mean. And said he blew it out of the water, and he's great. But, you know, it's probably all PR or some fake bullshit. Tell you what, though. Like... Uh, this, this is the Mario Brothers podcast now. Uh, what was it? Toad and Luigi. <laughs> Charlie Day is Luigi, right? And yeah, is Toad is Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key is Toad. I think they should yeah. be switched. Because Charlie Day has such a grating... He sounds like Toad to me. If you think of Toad from the old cartoon, if you can remember what he sounds like. Wait, who is he? Hey, Mario! He's he's Luigi. Oh, yeah. Keegan-Michael Key should be Luigi. Yeah, let's swap him. But, you know, who who knows? And then, uh, LOL, dude, we Donkey Kong. I don't know. This movie's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is really sad that, like, animated movies aren't vehicles for actual voice actors. And it's just stuck. Well, they are if it's like an independent, you know, if it's a smaller thing. But the second you get a family animated movie, what do you got to do? You got to put them. Jack Black. Got to put Jack Black in there. But most like big budget animated movies are family movies. Usually, yeah. The ones that aren't the ones that aren't stunt casts are stuff like, I don't know. I'm just saying like. I'm not saying it doesn't have to be family. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be like a Hollywood, like a smaller thing. Like, uh, yeah. pick one out of the bucket. Well, I guess uh, movies like Coco is like not. I was really about to say Coco. Like... I was going to say Coco, Caroline, more than that. had The Rock, but he's the only one. He's the only one. You know? And it makes sense, so. though, because based off of, because like, you know, Polynesian. Yeah. Not Polynesian. Uh, Samoan. I think, um, like, and I think, and I think Disney's kind of learning from that. But at the same time, you can also thank Disney for that sort of formula because they, they actually started that trend way early in the nineties with Aladdin because they got Robin Williams to the voice of the genie, but which he fair, regretted ever since. They made, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, like they made that character and animated that character 100% with Robin Williams in mind. So they, that's almost like they kind of knew what they were doing, but the trend is kind of like continued on and is, and this is my, this is my one aside, but I, I but I do I like one of my favorite um, actual animators who was a Disney alumni is Don Bluth and all the films that he ever did. And all of his films really had low key, like B tier actors. Like we're talking like all Logs go to heaven with them. Um, what's his name? Dom DeLuise. Something, something Dom DeLuise. And then the other guy, Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, you know, from all Burt Reynolds ain't exactly a C tier there, buddy. I was about to say, no, that's no, a I mean, well, that, well, I said, I think I said B tier, not C tier. Yeah, but still, so. <laughs> Burt Reynolds yeah. is A tier, but you know, well, maybe not. Like, 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 you know, but still, they had a bit more. Small aside, like, actually, Burt Reynolds was not considered a B or A tier until Deliverance, to the point they actually true. were considering not casting him in Deliverance because all he fucking did was Smokey and the Bandit, and they're like, no, he ain't going to be good for a fucking leading role in a drama. Nope, he worked out, and then he became who he is. Anyway, which is so, you know, which is so sad because I do, I do, I do love both Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, and both uh, have sadly passed away. So R.I.P. to R.I.P. them because yep. I do like them. Well, the thing with the whole Robin Williams thing is that you know he specifically did it only if Disney wouldn't market or advertise him as the lead or as a selling point 
for it a lot. And then they did. And then they they did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's why he was uh, pissed off. Disney beat Disney beat Disney. Uh, I mean, when you get someone as colorful as John uh, John Williams, Robin Williams, the marketing rights itself. So it's like the the temptation. Anyway, you could tell uh, we got some art aficionados on this podcast. Uh, we will get back to Mortal Kombat for the comic. We promise. <laughs> yeah, like like they like they did make up for it. The Robin Williams did voice the genie in the Aladdin uh, in the, Aladdin yeah, Three, yeah. Prince of Thieves. He did do that. So there was some there was some making up that was done, but but that is more to the credit of Robin Williams more than anything. He basically fought Disney and then ended up winning in the long run. So it's, it's Man, how thing. many people could say uh, that. It, yeah, if you ever want to see like a really good history video on it, because I, I don't mind plugging her, there is an old Lindsay Ellis video um, on that whole shabacle with Robin Williams and Disney that is absolutely worth watching. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Long well, time. we won't talk about that because that's a whole. That's a whole story. other issue. So I was just making Mortal a Star Wars joke, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to Mortal Kombat, where we talk about fatalities, friendship, and flawless Last victories. victories. We so, left off. We see none of that here. Last week, uh, <laughs> wow, you're right. We see friendship, Johnny and Sonya, and there's some fighting. I mean, we yeah, see friendship between Katana and Goro. Goro, yeah, ultimate friendship there. That's epic. So, small side friendship. Sm- more, small, like, small question. I, oh, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say I don't see friendship as much as I see like kind of mutual respect. respect but I wouldn't yeah. call it friendship. Well, I mean, that could be the beginning of friendship. You know, she's planted the seed. It's heartwarming. I don't think friendships exist in Outworld, man. Like, <laughs> like my from from the history I know of Outworld, and no one ever stays friends for long. People have interests and goals; they don't have friendships. Katana and Jade were homies forever. They haven't betrayed each other. Yeah, and like until they weren't. No, like, they I never. Mean, they never had a falling out. Didn't they? Did they betray each other in Eleven? Like, wasn't that a thing? No, Jade was doing. Her, they're pretty much separate, doing their own thing. Jade had googly eyes for Kotal Khan. She wanted to go help him out. But her story is kind of separate from Katana. She never did anything to betray her, as I recall, unless something happens in Deception or Armageddon. Yeah, but I mean, like, Kotokan wanted to take over Outworld, but then Katana ended up taking over Outworld, so... Oh, yeah, that's there, true. Like, there's beef. Okay, I'd have, like, to, there's beef there. I'd have to go look back at that, because as we know, Kotokan wasn't the bad guy, but I don't know if Katana really wanted to not have him be in control, so maybe so she was betraying that must have been a later him. thing. Their, yeah. their friendship must be a later thing because they didn't know. No, their friendship was at three. And three, yeah, that's because they fucking didn't know what to do with the characters. Because uh, <laughs> two, she's just a mystery character. Three, her story is she works for Shao Kahn, but secretly she's uh, aiding Katana because she's yeah, friends with yeah, her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's always been her shtick. I and mean, they just swapped, they reversed it in uh, Annihilation. But anyway. So yeah, story, story-wise, I want to ask, in the Goro Katana scene. So the next scene, after, yeah, mysterious hooded figure in white gives Sindel, who said, who's suspicious of him already, gives him an orb, and she's like, ooh, I'll look into... Whoops, I guess you're shiny, not too fucking pretty. smart. Yeah, shiny, pretty. Uh, we go to the, the meeting of uh, Katana and Goro, which would be recreated later when they reiterated MK4 for the Dreamcast, as we discussed last episode. So I was expecting when they said there is a there is a figure lurking in the shadows. I was expecting that to be Kung Lao. What? You didn't see from the 
You didn't see from the like the the silhouette that it had four arms. I am an idiot. It clearly has four arms, and I saw that it had hair, and I figured it was Kung Lao with his hat down. God, I'm such a <laughs> dummy. Yeah, there's totally a uh, four arms there. Yeah. Dude, if you were going to do like a silhouette of Kung Lao, there is no better way to do it than with that dang hat. Mm. That hat is pretty iconic. Yeah, that's iconic. I feel like, yeah, because Goro didn't make his appearance. She was just talking to other Shokans. I wished I hadn't said that. I really wished I hadn't said that. <laughs> How'd I miss that shit? Probably because when I'm reading it, I'm kind of zoomed up on it. So I just, you know, mm. and I knew the Kung Lao thing happens in MK Gold. But yeah, anyway. So we have a peace meeting between Katana and all them, yada, yada, yada. Josh, Josh, you're fired. You're a horrible fan. Turn in your Dampasina card. You're not My Dampasina card? Okay. I mean, he yes. did play Scorpion, my favorite character, so I guess I have to. Yeah. Exactly. And he, play, and he played Johnny Cage, my favorite character. You're not worthy of this title, as decreed by me. You're fired. Can I trade it for, like, a, a Sal DeVita card? Or? No, which, no, no. Yeah, you can trade deal. it for an issue. Ian Anthony no, Dale. You can yeah. trade it for it. Here you can see No, that. you can trade it for an issue, Josh. You can trade it for an issue of this Mortal Kombat Four comic, so you can actually read it. How about that? I, I did read it, though. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> no. Yeah, apparently not. Apparently not, because you missed something that obvious. <laughs> no big yeah, I read the Braille version, or you know, the audio book version. <laughs> the audio book version. The audiobook version. <laughs> no, he listened to our episode of the podcast as, as we're describing it. So yes, because I could travel yeah, through time and space. But yeah, Kitana was sent to basically squash the beef between the Centaurians and the uh, Shokans. Is that what it was? Yeah. Uh, should be noted in the city uh, that we were talking about before. Let me go back to where it was. Da, 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 da. Uh, no, Trek. The Trek. City, city of Kuatan. Oh, I thought they were is... in the realm of Trek. Oh, that's different. Huh? Never mind. They're the, they're the right, city of right. Kuatan, which I guess is a Shokan city, and was mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. in previous comics and always tripped me up. Yeah. I like the design of the guards that's with Kitana. Yeah, cool. the guards are pretty dope. Which they I'm kind of curious about... I'm kind of curious about something... In the, I guess in the story, and it looks cool, but I guess from an art thing, I don't know if it makes much sense in the paneling. And maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but like when old boys like come through the portal and they just like they just jumping folks, um, and it's revealed to be Shinnok, and Shinnok like reveals himself and says, "Hey, I'm Shinnok. I'm the coolest guy here." I'm going to do a thing and, like, you know, talk to the other gods, and here's my chance to do it. There's, like, a really cool panel of Shinnok just stand there looking, like, you know, just cool as hell. And then there's this this red stroke that looks like a meteor coming from the sky, but it's going in front of the bat, but it's, like, hitting his shoulder. And I'm trying to figure out what that is because yeah. it's obviously a lens flare, but I'm not sure what it is other than I guess it's, like, he came down from the sky, but it doesn't look like he as, came down from the sky. As we'll discover like later... The Earth Warriors all spy a comet coming down and crashing into uh, Earth. I don't think that's what this is, though. I guess it's just his power bursting up into the sky. I don't know. Just from the one shoulder? Yeah, just from the one shoulder. That like that's why like at first, like if I'm going by it kind of like blinking, you may miss it kind of quick. It actually looks really, really cool. Like composition wise, yeah. it's neat. It's effective. But when I really think about the panel, I'm like, wait, like 
ball of light was like actually was behind one of the bat creatures that's behind him or like if it was in the background i'd be like okay yeah, that's, that's true, just yeah. like like that's that's like a cosmetic meteor coming in from the heavens just oh, to I make see, him yeah. look cool like okay i've seen that but that's not what's happening here that like ball of light or that beam of light is coming from the highest of the high skies and hitting his shoulder like it's part of him and i'm just like like wait what is that because if, it, if, if he was that light beam shouldn't it be like over him or something these are mortal Kombat apologies, 4 but these are the things these are the things that i notice that i can't unsee mortal Kombat 4 as seen by jj abrams <laughs> with all the lens flares yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, but that being said it's still a cool panel i just don't get this like this streak of light that's here it's just kind of weird but that's just me yeah yeah and then but anyway shinnok invades yay shinnok we got the main villain of mortal kombat 4 it's getting uh get, taking a while for us to get through all the story beats but to, to summarize because it's easy to summarize from here on out Unless we want to go, we're going to go into detail about some of the stuff I'm scrolling through. Yeah, but so basically, nice, so all the all the the Earth Warriors are doing their own thing. Sub Zero, Kwai Lang, that is, is going to find the temple from the uh, MK Mythologies game that his brother had gone through, and they do have a nice moment where they show him and his brother talking. Uh, Liu Kang and Kai are training at the newly formed uh, Shaolin Temple. Sonya is chasing Jarek and, and trying to deal with him. And then they all get pulled into an adventure together because uh, there is a meteor coming down to strike Earth. And uh, as we learn, that's Shinnok's uh, nether realm forces. So it strikes near nearest to the Shaolin Temple, so Liu Kang and Kai go to investigate. And then the others end up joining them. And then, yeah, we can elaborate from there. Because at that point, not much else happens. Yeah, they basically, they basically are like, well, whenever Raiden shows up, things just kind of fall into place, and then all of a sudden, uh, Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade show up. And by the yeah. way, uh, the only time we see Jax is through comm communications, because he's not actually there. Right. That's true. Yeah. And that that's but he's technically... Like, he's pretty prominent in the cover, though. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. If he's prominent in the cover, but you only ever see him in intercom, I think it's because if you beat MK4 with either Jax or Sonya, the implication seems to be that Jax is on Earth and Sonya is in Outworld and Nether Realm and, and all over hopping. Uh, okay. So maybe Jax was kind of doing more of the support in, in the canon story rather than being in the front lines. I'm not sure. So maybe they're t- they're holding to that. I do find it also hilarious how Johnny Cage shows up because Sonya's in the middle of chasing Jarek and Jax interrupts her and he's like, "I'm sending a chopper to you because of some meteor landed. We need you to investigate." And who should be in the chopper along with her, you know, you know, partner's staff or whatever? Then Johnny Cage, who says he's there <laughs> to do research for a movie and. And she's like, seriously? And they're like, hey, they, Jack said he could come along as long as he doesn't touch anything. Which is a fine fucking hilarious. <laughs> what I want to know, though, is uh, I guess canonically in the story, Johnny Cage was resurrected at the end of Shao Kahn's uh, invasion, and that's already been addressed, so she that's why she doesn't act surprised. But, hey, what the fuck are you doing here? You're alive? Mm. You know? 
Yeah. I do. You know what? I feel this is where I feel like I'm a terrible fan because obviously I knew that Johnny Cage died at the end of Mortal Kombat 2. And then he wasn't in Mortal Kombat 3 as like basically a result of that. But I know he came back, but I didn't know he. But I was actually, Josh, like immediately a little surprised that he was actually in 4 because I'm like, wait. He came back? Well, if like you read his early, his, and... early, his bio in 4, literally says after Shao Kahn was defeated and all the souls were released back, he, he was, he's been stuck in limbo, just only able to watch his friends fight, but now he was able to, to come back into Earth, into his body. That's got to be convenient, because like, if she, like basically if Shao Kahn just kills you just by taking your soul, all you have to do is just kill Shao Kahn and then just like, boom, like it's almost like you never lost your body in the first place. They take hmm? your. They take your. It's like a Sentai villain. You, they take your body, and then the way you get your body back is by defeating the monster. And yeah, it immediately yeah. comes back to your body. <coughs> yeah, your body like di- like your comic body like book. didn't decompose. It didn't like you know rot or anything. Comic book just... video game logic. Yep. You know, not like in the '95 movie where no, the souls are released now, but they gotta go. I'll, I'll be with you again one day, brother. Sad music, orbital song plays, yada yada. <laughs> what a touch! Makes me. It makes me. It makes. It was me a very touching scene, actually. I, uh, like small side chase. I do choke up a little <laughs> so bit at that scene. Still, I I, I, I can't help but quit my throat closes at that scene. It's a well done scene. Anyway, for sorry. What for? What Luke, like like Luke Hanging and his brother from that? Yeah, man. And they hold hands. I will always be of you. And you see all the other people. You can even see Art Lean. I think floating in the little swirl. And just everyone crowds around from outside to I watch all the souls. Did a scene go. where he shows up in front of like Johnny Cage. Yeah, that would have been cool. Maybe it would have been cheesy to just have too many like touching reunions and all that. It would have starting to feel like a soap opera, maybe. But uh, I think he. I, think I mean, he like, um, I I don't know if Johnny Cage and Arlie actually deserve that so much. I mean, they were cool, but they basically had just met each other in that movie. Was so like, did Luke so did Shen, like. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, but Luke Ken and Chen, like they they freaking knew each other, knew each other, and Chen basically like said, brothers. "Hey, Lou, you messing up around here? I'm gonna go and like try and save the Earth." And yeah, like I died, but I made that choice, and that choice is what taught Luke Kang how to live a little bit and actually conquer his own fear. So there's a lot more emotional weight to that relationship than what Johnny and Art have. They just basically like, hey, you're a martial artist. Yeah, you can't fake those moves. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm Art Lee. Watch me go get my ass kicked by a forearm, you know, mechanical puppet. But I mean, so, you know. <laughs> I mean, do you see how how hard he cried when Art Lee got his back broken or whatever? Yeah. I mean... Um, actually, didn't Sonya cry harder than him? Because Sonya did that classic Darth Vader. No. They both do a no, and yeah, it's, it's, no. it's weirder for Sonya. And actually, Sonya, and, and Sonya didn't even know Art. Sonya had no idea who Art was until that scene. Which obviously implies that there might have been stuff cut out, which he doesn't need a, a resurrection scene. All they need is that scene with him praying over his grave, which was filmed, and they didn't use it. Yeah, or it was in the I script, like at least. I like that we debated that, like, Oh, uh, Liu Kang and Chen had a closer relationship than Johnny Cage and Art Lee. Like, how is that even debatable? They were literal brothers, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> not, and it's really kind of not. But that does tell me that I feel like that. What obviously the more like Netherrealm needs to do, we need to we need to get an Art Lee character in Mortal Kombat franchise. That's what we need. We just need Art Lee as a fi- as a playable character. Yeah. Like, we need no. redemption for that dude. Yeah, Art Lee back. I'm pretty sure there's a sizable 
if you did a poll, I think there's they could probably get him requested to be. I wonder if he could get the same actor to to do the voice. I wonder if he's still around. Dude, you know you know what they need to do, huh? In the second Mortal Kombat movie that's going to come out, they need to have him fighting Art Lee in the ring. Dude, yeah, bring Art. Yeah, I or like, like that. Or in or he's or he's like opposite him in the filming of a movie. Like he's like one of the opposition or whatever. Basically, have them do a fight scene in a movie that they're shooting when they pick him up. And they acknowledge Art Lean by having him in there. Yeah, yeah. dude, they should do that. Anyway. Me. Uh, Michael J. White. I was about to ask, but I didn't want to go too off in the weeds again. Who would you cast to play Art Lean? I don't think Michael J. White would be it. No. Um, look- this would be a deep cut, but uh, there's a stunt actor named Aaron Tony. Who mm-hmm. is the stunt double for the Falcon MCU movies? Okay, and he is a great martial artist. I think he'd be a cool Arlene. After looking or, him up, after Google, there's another guy named Guy De Silva who is also a stunt person, and he was a stunt person for Black Panther. And okay. he's also a good martial artist. Either one of them would be really cool as a whoever it is. Definitely, martial artist is a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's get back on track. Mortal Kombat Four. So, yeah, where we left off, they they they're Sonya's going. Johnny, Liu Kang, and Kai have uh, gone to investigate, and what they find is, oh my god, a big crater with uh, none other than Fujin there, getting his ass handed to him by a bunch of goobly gobbly demons. Demons, yeah. I do, I do love this though, man, because there's like this, like one pan. I just laugh at it because, like, oh, plot convenience, you know? Because they all meet up and they're like, "Hey, yeah, Shinnok is little evil incarnate. We need to stop him." And then everybody's like, "Okay, I'm in. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I've got nothing better to do." And then everybody's like, "But wait, how do we get to Adina?" And Sonya's like, "Oh, oh yeah, my team can." My team can help with this. And Sonya just pulls this random thing out of her butt, which is a little plot device. It's like this little like gun thing. And she's like, we've been able to emulate interdimensional portal dis- well, uh, distorations, kind of like Raiden does. The only problem is that our regulator is a nuclear generator. And I'm just like, wait, what? You have like a portal nuclear reactor generator that is in your back already pocket. established. <laughs> Not that that's a nuclear generator, but they show at the end of MK3 that she and Jax are part of the outworld investigation agency so they do they, they do just some, have a nuclear generator well it shows them running into portals so they they are they are diving into other realms so surely they must have to develop a way and this makes sense u.s military get a fucking nuclear reactor man i need to be part of the special forces they like get all the cool toys they got like they got like forces. portals well, i should point out this is in this Continuity is not the special forces is completely separate entity, the Outworld Investigation Agency. But, you know, still got some taxpayer dollars in there, obviously. Yeah, man. Like, I just I just know that, like, apparently, like, we got some, you know, those people got some really cool innovators. Like, you know, screw, like, magic. We just create, like, devices that'll just do it. Like, these are, like, some... Well, Ninja what is magic? Level, what like, is magic devices. but science that we don't understand? Oh, dear Fair. God. Yeah, no, that's serious. <laughs> Fair point. There's a theory that if, if aliens came down, to us they might appear more like gods because their magic, their magic, their science would be so beyond us that it appears yeah. as magic. So, yeah. 
there's a whole Dean Koontz novel that actually took that premise and ran with it, and it is actually, it, it, it's, it plays like it's an alien evasion movie, but at the end, it turns out it was actually uh, the rapture or some shit like that. It was actually biblical. And he reversed the phrase. What if the magic just looked like science to us? It was kind of stupid. I kind of like. I kind of love this though because, like, like she just like just does this like immediately, like right there. Johnny Cage hadn't even had a time to put a damn shirt on. It's just like, okay, let's just go through the portal, guys. Let's do it. Let's go. Well, when does Johnny right Cage like, want to <laughs> put a shirt on? Except for in the movies. I mean, what shirt? I mean, that's true, but I just find it funny. It's just like th- there was no time to think. Just like, all right, let's just go. That's his like, combat I got my uniform. Shades on and everything. Everyone's wearing their combat <laughs> uniform. I mean, literally, everyone is dressed exactly like they are in the games to a T. So. <laughs> Yeah. They're in the game, specifically Mortal Kombat 4. It's kind of cool how it, it's kind of cool how it like sets it up. Like, hey, we have our clear good guys and bad guys. Like, Outworld's just chilling. Sindel's like, yeah, sure. We're just, I'm just gonna roll here. She's like, taking a nap. I want to just bring back Adina, and then just Shinnok's like, no, I'm gonna like disrupt all plans. And now all the good guys are like, oh, you're literally more evil than Shao Kahn. We need to like stop you. Portal, portal to it, guys. It's just, <laughs> it's such a video game plot. Kick your jets and jam. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit but yeah like essentially like this is why like you know overall the story for this comic i mean i do i do actually want to continue actually critiquing and praising the art because i think it's worth it but writing wise there's i just don't i don't even blame the writer for this because i just don't think there was a lot to work with really there's no like creative freedom it's just like hey do the sequel to this game I, f- I feel weird critiquing it like I just got done eating like a $50 steak and I'm wiping my mouth with a little, you know, white handkerchief and being like, well, but I did enjoy this less than the other two canon comics, that being the, the Mortal Kombat 1 and then two collector's editions. And maybe it's just because John Tobias yeah. is more directly involved with those. Uh, maybe it's because we all agree the mm-hmm. art in those, which was John Tobias also, it was pretty good. Not that the art in this one is bad, it's just as you mentioned, you've seen, and I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on it until you explained it. Cause I'm not a vision. I'm not an artist like you guys, that the coloring is what's making it look weird. Uh, but I don't know. It just feels more basic than those two. Cause those two had really great setup. Uh, they had some good set pieces and actually there, there were some fights. There were some flawless victories, fatalities and yep. friendships. Maybe not. Yeah, no, there were some fatalities in, uh, Mortal Kombat two collector's edition i do recall but uh this one just feels like the basicest of basic it's got nice setup moments though i like seeing kai and Liu kang train together i like seeing the flashback of sub-zero talking to his brother and stuff they're like there's some filling out fleshing out the characters moments in there but other than that it just feels like exactly what it is it sets sets up mortal kombat 4 in like it's set up 18 pages or less like not fully it's not fully set up because like this came out before four. So it's like you get characters like Kai and Fujin. Well, Fujin you see in yeah. mythologies, but like you get Kai, Fujin, you get Jarek, uh, And of course you get Shinnok, but it's like, you don't know who. I mean, they are. kind of explain it. Reiko jumps into the, ju- Reiko jumps into the, out of the portal Scorpion. with. Uh, yeah, Scorpion. You don't see any of them, and they're in one, one single panel. And all they call them are demons. Like so, they didn't explain Reiko's backstory at all. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I find it interesting that Reiko's in there too. So that kind of tells you about what point the game develop the game's development. This comic came out because, as we recall, you said Reiko was an afterthought character. It was going to be Noob Saiba, and then they just made mm-hmm. a ninja and put a someone else's head on him. So obviously, that decision in the game had been made yeah. by the time this comic was made. But uh, yeah, they just hey, here's Reiko and Scorpion, which always annoys me to see Scorpion just like one hundred percent in. With the bad guys. Relegated. But that is kind of what his story is in 4. Quan Chi, you know, convinced him to, hey, hey, fight for us. So, that's canon. And then, yeah, Reiko, I guess. It's, hey, kids, here are your new characters. I guess. They don't explain Reiko, but they explain Kai enough. He's he's a new member, uh, you know, he's buddy of Liu Kang's. Training to be, you know, as cool as Liu Kang. And Fujin... They say about jack shit to Fujin. I mean, I don't even know if like Liu Kang and Kai should know who Fujin is or not. But no, Raiden explains that he is. God, the, he's the only uh, other Earth God yeah. besides Raiden who is left. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Jarek, you get you get all the exposition for him you need to know uh, ever since he's a shitty character. He's the last of the drag, last of the Black Dragon. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's Sonya's plot. Like Jarek apparently was supposed to be like the Kano of this game, so like Sonya's just after him, just like, hey, Jarek, I hate you. Yeah, I think that's just that's just kind of the inherent problem with making a one shot, like pro uh, prologue, prologue, prelude, prologue, prologue comic, prelude. Yeah, I would call this a prelude. It's not meaty enough to be a prologue. (laughs) You're right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the problem with these prelude comics. Instead of making like even a short run, like six, seven issue comic uh, for the game, it's like you don't get time to really introduce anything. You're just literally setting up the basic premise of the comic of the sh- of the game, which the game yeah. does. Anyway. Yeah, it's 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 why it's it's why I can't really criticize the writer for this, um, which is what Ted no. Adams, I think, is his name, and I'm not too familiar Mm -hmm. with his work but it's just like imagine if you're a writer for a comic you take a gig and this is your gig there's a game you know where the game starts you have to write a comic that can be no more than like 15 maybe 20 pages at the most maybe if you go over budget we can get a little thing and you have to get these characters that start out at this point from a previous game and get them to this point for this game and you've got 23 panel pages or so to do it and then we don't care how you do it but these are good guys these are bad guys these are bad or bad guys and they all have to come together for this like you your window for actually telling a story is so incredibly small and your time limit is so incredibly low that you basically don't really have too much to work with so you just have to kind of just wing it so it's just I don't really see myself doing much better if I was given a task yeah. like this, as a, you know, like from a writing perspective. I just don't see how it would turn out better. Th- this isn't um, really so special. I can't really, criti- I can't really criticize the writing. I can't really criticize the writing for this. The only thing I can say is that at least nothing was like offensive. None of the dialogue felt like it lasted long enough to oh, be truly. Oh, not a single, not a single occurrence of the third person perspective. We should note at all. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, yeah. I almost no miss Charles it. Charles Marshall the Third. I miss it almost. <laughs> been here. Uh, a little bit, just like the S's. Yeah, in yeah the, that's the true. Yeah, uh, it should be interesting to point out. I'm just <laughs> looking now when you're talking about. Yeah, you don't got much time to 
to have a fleshed out story. And yeah, there's nothing special. This isn't really special. This isn't something you go to a comic shop to get. This is the thing that's on the freebie rack at the comic shop while you buy the comics you actually want. I mean, they literally put it in the yeah, box. Yeah, this, this is something yeah, this you get is, out of a Cracker this, Jack box. It's, yeah, you know. this is this is a free, this is a free comic book day. Yeah, this is a free comic book day type thing. <laughs> which is which is so weird to say because there's obviously work put yeah, into this. Yeah, it's not to say. completely knock it, but it's the restrictions they have, as Jay pointed out. But it is interesting to look. We I'm just, looking at the uh, the collector's edition one, which is about the same length. I have a lot of good memories of us reading collector's edition two. I had a lot of fun with that. And yeah. it felt like a lot happened in there. And I'm looking at it right now. And the reason is that one's 28 pages long. They actually had a little bit more breathing room in that one. So. But you look later on when uh, they go to DC and you get the MKX comics. And that's like a full yeah. series. Which I can't, I can't wait to get. But it to. also started as a prequel series. It started as a prequel series. I'm excited for that. And I'm also excited for the. MK versus DC one. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting that's a thing. It's actually drawn by Tobias. Fuck! I keep forgetting that's a thing. It's drawn by Tobias, and it's written. It's written by John. Nice. Logan. Yeah, if it's drawn, if it's if it's drawn by Tobias, I definitely look forward to it. Because like one thing that th- reading this made me realize is that like as much as I can kind of say that the art, I guess at the end of the day, is kind of a mixed bag. But the good is the good there, and the bad is definitely the bad. There is a quality to Tobias's artwork that I think is both charming, even if it's like simplistic. I feel like his style was definitely a little bit on the dated side, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It just, if anything, there's a lot more consistency there. And the one thing that this that this artist here does better than him, in my opinion, is that he's got more of a creative mind when it comes to composition mm, of his panels than Tobias yeah. does. But but Tobias will take something simple and make his simple good. Like he can, like Tobias is making hamburgers and he's making them very, very well. While this guy is trying to make filet mignon with like sauteed buttered asparagus. And some of this is not turning out so well. Like he's overcooking the meat sometimes and the asparagus kind of stinks in some panels, but the actual meal is pretty good. I'll, if it's overcooked, I'd rather have a really food analogy again. Jay, <laughs> um, I can't help it. <laughs> I'd have, a, I'd rather have a really I use food good burger. All the time, it's a very relatable thing, Josh. Yeah, yeah who doesn't love food? Um, I'd rather have a really. I've never had filet. Mignon. Never had filet mignon. Uh, like for real, you never had filet mignon. Mm-mm. Hmm. I don't think so. It's good. It's good. It's steak. If it's cooked right, that's the thing. I'd rather have a really good burger than an overcooked steak. Exactly. And this is what this kind of feels like. It's like, then I'd like, rather have the burger. I need to bring this, I, like, like I need to bring this up because unfortunately my nostalgic goggles are just going like crazy. I don't know if, if this I could don't... be compla- compared to filet mignon, Jay. Because I'm trying to think, by your, <laughs> going by your line of thought, the John Tobias comics are like a really, they're a bigger burger. They're like a double deck, especially the MK2 one, which is 28 pages. Let's just use that as an example. It is a bigger burger. It's like a, actual sit-down restaurant burger that's double patties so it's like two one-inch thick patties it's kind of burger you're gonna get sick of two seconds later like i shouldn't have ate that but it's so good by comparison i know it's almost midnight but man i'm getting kind of fuck i'm sorry (laughs) wow it is almost midnight isn't it whereas this by your line of thought jay is a filet mignon but maybe it's a little leaner maybe it's a small cut maybe it's like a half a, a steak and with some asparagus, 
I don't feel that's fair. I don't feel this is a filet mignon because it's not that good. It's not that bad. Why? But well, Josh, I agree with you. I, I like I get my, my analogy is about ambition. It's like I see making a the ambi- the ambition to make a burger, which is simple by design, but you but it's not but the bar is low enough that you can do it well to make it satisfied. Versus filet mignon with well cooked asparagus, which is typically more of a high end meal. It's more expensive, and it tends to be put on this pedestal of like, oh, we're eating fancy now, and that's what this comic when compared to the MK2 Collector's Edition, kind of feels like. Like, it's it's got bolder colors, a new coloring style, more dynamic posing, more dynamic composition, greater stakes, bigger characters. Like, it, it kind of feels like a bigger, bolder, um, sort of action-y idea for what a Collector's Edition could be compared to the Tobias one. But they essentially do the same thing, which is a prequel to the game that they are being a prequel to. And so that's why I kind of can't help, you know, compare them. And because, you know, I like my food analogies because I find them to be very relatable, which is why I use it. That's kind of why I compare one to the other. Tobias is making really good hamburgers and um, and Benjamin over here is drawing a comic and he i think he's doing a good job at times but he's not exactly making award-winning stuff over here he's he, he his ambition is just not meeting the expectations i think kind of like what i'm trying to say tobias's comics are a burger you'd get in the backyard a literal backyard cookout good can't be reproduced one one anywhere else not Something that would win, you know, awards, but it's just a good down-to-earth burger in someone's backyard of friends sticks to your ribs. And this comic is is uh is a fast food burger. It's quick and it's not super fulfilling, but it gets the job done for right now because I'm in a hurry and I only got three bucks. (laughs) And I want to illustrate this just because, like. In the final, like in the final page of the comic, this is on this is on page twenty three. It's the little last panel of the entire comic. Oh, it kind of sums up my thoughts. Um, it's the final, like it's the final page of this comic, and honestly, it is both the best panel and, in my opinion, the worst panel, like all at the same time, hmm. because there is this beautiful shot of this of this castle in the background. It's highlighted in purple. It's got this swirling red apocalyptic lighting behind it that looks awesome. It literally reminds me of a Castle Grayskull from He-Man or something. Like, it looks, it looks really damn cool. You've got the silhouettes of these bat-like creatures flying in the background for atmosphere. You've got Shinnok in his outfit just looking pimp, saying like, hey, come on, come get it. Everything is looking pretty damn sweet, and it's got a pretty simple composition. And then... That's the background. Then in the midground, you've got Shinnok looking cool, and then you've got this smoke that should have just been drawn and colored one solid color for atmosphere, but they had to bevel it, and that's my big problem. They're using the classic Photoshop filter uh, called Bevel. Is that what they did? And they're just... Gr- that's exactly what they did. And they're grading the sides of it, too. It's it's uh, oh, that like it's not it. like a heavy bevel. Yeah, but that cheapens it, and you can tell. Like, look at the smoke streaks in the midground. The purple Josh. streaks, like, yeah, they're definitely bevel. But you know yeah. what? In yeah. in uh, the late nineties, which one? Are we the very which, the very last panel. Jay's talking about the swirling yeah, energy. Yeah, but yeah, but Josh, oh, what yeah, really yeah, kills yeah. it? This is why I don't like this decision. Is that the heroes are coming through a green portal, and what you got here is that you got the drawn streaks of energy and stuff like that. But then you've got this awful thing. They you what they did is that they used a Gaussian blur 
um, filter on the lightning streets to create this sort of like almost hazy like effect on it, which looks cheap. And then you've got, you know, a noise filter on all the solid blacks of Luke King's hair, Sonya's hat, and Sub-Zero's mask that you can clearly see that's only surrounding them. Right. And they're not affecting the it, environment yeah, it, around them. Yeah, yeah, and it, and, it's, and it try they're trying to create a, uh, create a uh, like a contrast that to me just makes the I mean, overall panel look cheap, and it's just it's one of the things that we've been talking about with art, like in this whole thing, where like you have like a good artist who's drawing well, but you have this colorist who's using Photoshop in an experimental kind of like way because it's like the new hot thing, but it's creating looks like this that overall cheapen the comic in terms of its coloring style because it doesn't look consistent. Like you can't, like you can't, you can't color in such a way to where you get this beautiful like purple haze and red background and then you use the cheap Photoshop filters in the foreground and then expect them to actually look consistent because it doesn't. There's actually better, more traditional 2D techniques that you can use to actually emulate this sort of, um, sort of stuff because it's been done many, many years in the past and it shows because yeah. you have digital looks that just wow. that just look unnatural. Like this right here, why is Sub-Zero's head look like a CRT TV? Yeah, like it's it got really green on does. it. But Jake, that's why this is that's why this is a fast food burger, because they probably didn't have the time or saw it worth the effort. Well, that grain that grain I don't think is a part. Ain't that grain is just a part of the uh, material? No, that's a noise. But look that at Quan Chu. Look, look at Quan Chi. He's got black clothes on him. Quan Chu. Quan Chu is Quan Chu when he sneezes. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, yeah, that, that's not a quality. That's not a quality of the paper. They like you yeah. can see that if this thing was in black and white, you could absolutely see that. But no, nah, man, that that's a noise filter. It is. Jay 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 is correct in that. But also at this time period, where only people that got the money or got a dad with a you know high end computer are familiar with what Photoshop is, probably don't know what the fuck a bezel filter and all that is. I probably did around this time. I think my friend got me a pirate copy of Photoshop three point whatever, and I put big heads in people. It was fun, but uh, that became my job. But uh, it doesn't. The green against everything else does look kind of unnatural too. But I accept it because they're coming out of a portal. They're not going to affect everything around them. But I it 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 does look weird. I'll 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 just give you. I'll, I'll I'll submit to you. It does look weird. It looks off. Yeah. But you know, like you've seen said, sign of the times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I said like, uh, like, uh, I think more, my, more of my problem is less with the artist who penciled it and more with the artist who color it. Which um, I think it actually may have been the same. Well, no, 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 it wasn't. It, it, they had a different colorist, but the guy who drew it did also ink it, which was um, Benj Ryan Benjamin who penciled it and he inked it. The colorist is probably related to him because his name is uh, his name is Joel that's Benjamin. Like <laughs> so that's what I said. Um, it's a pretty common name, dude. Is it? It's a common first name, but a common last name? How many people with the last name Benjamin, do you know? Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, 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 like a lot. For for two people to be working on the same comic and they're not related? I don't know, man. That seems sus. Wow, actually looking at it, like I feel bad I just not noticed this, but Wildstorm FX actually had a hand in coloring this. Oh, you know who they are? makes me... Yeah, like have you ever heard of Wildstorm Comics? No, never have. I'm not <laughs> um, a comics person. Have you ever heard of... Have you have you ever heard of Wildcats? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Wildstorm. That's kind of their universe. They're sort of an offshoot of DC. Ah, Jim Lee formed them. Okay. Huh. Um, or Jim Lee. Or, 
Or Gemley had or Gemley had a hand, like which so, makes sense. No lack of prestige then. It just probably was the thing to do at the time. Because hey, this fucking saves time. I can just fucking run a filter over this. And I get to color digitally and non destructively. It's just what you know? it's just one of those things that like if you were to do like you wouldn't see this done in this level today, and that's mainly because like Photoshop has evolved and coloring to digital coloring techniques have evolved beyond this. That's why I said earlier that this is my nostalgic goggles coming in because like man, it's like it would be so easy, you know, for anybody with Photoshop with even like half the knowledge you would see now, just to kind of go in and create that green, you know, that green lightning panel at the last panel of this, but the actual atmosphere that's being created in the background with that, like basically with that castle and that red sky, that actually takes a, like a degree of skill to actually replicate. But that foreground with that noise filter and everything, I mean, that would be pretty dang, pretty dang easy to recreate because all they, I know exactly what they did. That is a selection and a noise filter and a delete button. That's all that is. (laughs) Um, like it's it's just one of those things that you that when you can see this stuff and you can see the inherent sort of like laziness of the panel in terms of coloring, it's kind of hard to un like to unsee. And I tend to you know criticize art in panels like this, like we've done in previous comments, just because to a degree I've done this. It's just kind of hard for me to unsee. Um, so, but again, mad praise to the comic where it's due. I, I do actually think the art overall is a mixed bag. I think o- ultimately it's penciled decently well. It's not perfect. Um, it's definitely a mixed bag in places, but overall, I think, I think, I think the guy's composition for this comic is pretty interesting and creative and I will give it credit where it's due because of that. Yeah. I'll give it that. It's not offensive. It's not anything like in Blood and Thunder. Uh, I just don't find it remarkable either. It's it's serviceable. This whole comic is just serviceable. Yeah, this entire comic overall is just very milk toast, just very meh. Like, okay, cool, mm-hmm. yay, this is a thing that exists. Yeah, it's not offensive. It's not particularly good. It's just like, yeah, Let's get, yeah. Get you like, jazz to go play MK4. We should yeah. we should have read this before we uh, revisited MK4 to see if it got us stoked. <laughs> We're also not a 14-year-old kid that would get easily stoked, but, you know. I mean, before playing Mortal Kombat 10, admittedly, Josh, I did not know a lot about Shinnok. I had heard, of like, of a greater evil than Shao Kahn, but I didn't know much about Shinnok until Mortal Kombat 10. Ah. That's how kind of new to the game I am in terms of that particular level of lore. I knew who Quan Chi was, though, but I didn't know who, like, Shinnok It's funny, because they both so... came from the same set of games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess yeah, Quan yeah, Chi had I the think... benefit of being in several media, so, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Quan Chi is sort of like, like it, like if Shang, like if Shang Tsung is the you know prequel to Shao Kahn, then Quan Chi is the prequel to Shinnok. So it's just yeah, like I never yeah. got that far. But overall, like I don't like I don't dislike this comic. But other than that, I can't say it's just basically there's no, there's nothing really too particularly special about it. It's just promotion. That's all it is. Yeah. Like it, was made. It served its purpose, and then it unfortunately is kind of forgettable outside of that yeah nothing special small bite why do we decide to dedicate a whole episode to just this poor planning maybe i don't know but look at the look at this we did i say what yeah i thought you were gonna say don't say poor planning don't admit our weaknesses (laughs) on 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 air Uh, on air like this is live but look at this we were so worried and we have gone just about two hours like our usual wow uh without resident evil 
interlude in there, it would have been about an hour and a half, which is still probably more than I expected to talk about this comic. So, yay team. We got a good full discussion in there, eh? Well, well, well for this episode, we, we will did. probably end up saying like, hey, this is our Mortal Kombat 4 slash Mortal Kombat 4 comic slash RE slash Disney Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. We had a Disney interlude, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, it was it, it was a little bit of everything in this episode, but I don't regret it because, I mean, small sides, I think, are t- like are typically kind of fun. And, you know, like there will be more comics that we will do in the future that I'm sure will have a lot more oomph to them than this. But yeah. Oh, yeah. but I don't mind it. Like this was this was this kind of ties into our previous episode where we were reviewing Mortal Kombat since that's kind of on our radar and this comic is a sort of one shot that kind of exists in that realm since we are definitely still in kind of Mortal Kombat 4 mode. Yeah, part of the reason we did this too is it is kind of uh, tying up our end of the uh, original era section that we seem to be on because yeah, Jay said we talked about Mortal Kombat 4. Uh, Spoilers our next planned episode uh, we are planning on Catching up on the lore in general, because we typically, when we talk about the games, we talk about the making of and the gameplay and the art. We don't really talk much about the story. So since we probably, if you're interested in the story, we glossed over what happened to this character, that character, and since I love lore, we're going to catch up on the lore and try and fill out all the little plot, plot soap opera points that have been missed up until this point, and that will close out our coverage mm-hmm. of the original era of Mortal Kombat games. So this is kind of a, yeah, and it's we're in theme right now. We're in theme. Yep, and I look forward to it because some of this lore I am uh, sadly unfamiliar with. And Josh, this will that'll be your round. I'll educate you, are, but uh, yeah. even I will have to do some research too because there's some characters I don't follow. You know, I am the pro in Scorpion and Sub Zero's story, but you know. It's going to be really interesting because that's pretty much the last episode of this era. So then we're kind of going in uncharted territory yeah. as far as like we're getting in our dragon boat, and whether it's story off into the or gameplay or anything like that. It's yeah, spooky. I mean, it's yeah. kind of scary. The darkness of the P- the darkness of the PS2 era, <laughs> so to speak. Well, we may we may turn yeah. around. On yeah, that. we may turn around on that. I, I have confidence in that because. Uh, Neil well, I'm already going to tell you, I like Deadly Alliance because I have that fresh in my memory because I played it uh, a little after it was released. So, yeah. And I actually have respect for Mortal Kombat 4. I, I played it, um, I mentioned it like all of two times at a movie theater or arcade before I just said, no, this game sucks and I turned it off. And then <laughs> I just never, I never looked at it. I never looked back and never touched it again until I played it at Josh's place not too long ago. And I'm like, wow, I really should have gave this game... A, more of like a chance because it actually kind of holds up pretty well. I mean, for a game of its time, and like, and I still say that. I think I'll still say that, you know, repeatedly. Like, playing it, yeah. Like, I even told Josh, like, I would absolutely love to play this again because it, you know, it has a degree of fun to it. And reviewing the comic, I feel like was a worthwhile endeavor to do it because there, there is definitely a time where if I would have just not left Mortal Kombat and went to, at the time, what I thought were greener pastures for fighting games, I think I would have really enjoyed 4. And by extension, I probably would have really stuck with the franchise of the PS2 era and actually bought those games too. Hmm. I truly believe that. If only. But I just <laughs> wrote it off at the time. So, If only. Well, if only. now you get to but I would say- make up for, for lack 
things that were lacking in your childhood or adolescence. Yeah. But, but I would definitely say, I mean, is there anything else that we want to say about the comic itself? No, yeah, really. same. Like we've, we've kind of said what we can. We probably missed a thing or two here or there. Uh, I, you know, I like the sub zero part. I did want to mention, I thought it was cool how accurately this sub zero does look like the MK three face and everything, you know, and there's little things like that, but I think largely we covered it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I would say that is an episode. So if we've got nothing else, um, Josh, you're outro guy. Yeah. So if you got something planned, take it away. I do. Uh, any other comments you want to make on, on uh, this or Resident Evil uh, or the Resident Evil Netflix show or the Resident Evil 4 remake coming up or, or you know, since we're going to be a Resident Evil podcast now? <laughs> Let's save that for another aside <laughs> for a future episode. Okay. Uh, I, I do have something <laughs> planned. Uh, actually the thought was to maybe fill this episode out with the fear that we weren't going to be able to talk long. Well, huh, that was an unfounded fear. Uh, but also, uh, to, uh, mm-hmm. pick up what I was thinking of doing for our MK4 outro. When we do a game retrospective, it seems to be like I ended up always sort of, it became a tradition in my head to tell a longer story because I did one for one, two and three. And I had one in a mind for four, uh, but we had Neil as a guest on there. And as always, when we have a guest on there, we let them do the outro. So I have this tucked in my pocket. I'll tell it now. It's a true story as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does at the end, it made no, every story I've told has been true except for like a small little flourish at the end, but otherwise have been true. Yes. Shang Tsung coming and saying that part was true. (laughs) This part Jay might sympathize with too, because as we were talking, oh hell, we brought it up here at the beginning of the episode. How we doing? Jay was talking about the joys of home ownership. This is one of those stories. It's like Jay, you had your problem with your uh, AC, and you had to spend ungodly amounts of money to get it fixed, right? I almost had this. Don't remind me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I almost had the same problem. I got out of it luckier, but. In another way, not so lucky. So, my AC went out. It was in the middle of the night, and I just got out of the shower. And I see it wasn't gone out, but I heard this rumbling sound like a gasoline engine uh, coming from my attic space where my furnace is. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Is it coming from the neighbors? What the hell kind of sex toy they got running there? And I'm like, put my ear to the wall, and uh, it's <laughs> clearly like when I go in another room, I could tell, okay, it's not from the neighbors. It's upstairs. And uh, it was my furnace making this god-awful noise, and I turned it off, and I was able to call Cool Ray, heating and air, and they were going to get someone out uh, the next day. So I had to sit through and not have an AC for, you know, the next day. It wasn't too bad. I think I was lucky the temperature didn't get super hot yet. Good game, by the way, super hot. And uh, so the guy comes. Yeah, very good game. The VR one specifically. I was surprised to learn it's a console game. It feels like it was made for VR. They did such a good job converting it. Anyway, besides, the guy comes, guy shows up late in the uh, early evening, late in the day, and goes up. And luckily, uh, all it is was a pump was going bad on my furnace. It wasn't my AC unit itself. It was my furnace. So I'm like, woof, I got out of this uh, easy. And it was only like $300. Actually, that sounds like a lot, but it's... Way cheaper than Jay's AC problem. But still, I had a, you know, I had a fucking warranty. 
At least I think I did. I think I didn't let it run outside ago. Let me go make sure I got my warranty papers. And the guy's like, oh, no, I don't think this is going to be covered on warranty. I'm like, oh, no, dude. Yeah, sure it will. I think the the furnace is in there. Let me go get it. And he's like, okay, whatever. And he's like cleaning up his tools upstairs. And I'm digging in the closet where I keep the, all the, the fucking important papers and shit. And I got it. Yeah, it's right here. And he's walking down the stairs and he's kind of rolling his eyes at me. And I'm like, look, this is a warranty. It, it's covered. And he kind of takes the paper from me. And he looks at it. And he shakes his head and he's like, dude, this isn't a warranty. This is a fatality. And then he punched my head off. <laughs> but at least my AC was fixed. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I got, dude. That was a real lame one, but hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Outstanding. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram combat time pod and visit our facebook page at facebook.com forward slash combat time podcast you can also email us at combat time podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show see you next time mortal combat continues get over here